It's time for Twit This Week in Tech. What a panel. Oh, and J.J. Stone, oh, doctor, is here. Lou Maresca from This Week in Enterprise Tech joins us. And a brand new member of our panel. I'm very excited. Connie Guglielmo is here. She is editor-in-chief at CNET. There is lots to talk about. Brand new Mac chips. Brand new Google phone. We're going to talk about Proton Mail winning a great big battle in court. Squid Game making a billion dollars for Netflix. And the third pounder. Is it bigger than a quarter pounder? It's all coming up next on Twit. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Twit. This Week in Tech. Episode 846. Recorded Sunday, October 24th. 2021. I love you Zoom much. This Week in Tech is brought to you by CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike harnesses the power of every click, every action, and every ally to grow stronger and stop cyber threats before they can stop you. Join the fight and experience the power of Falcon Platform for free today at CrowdStrike.com slash twit. And by Worldwide Technology and VMware. With an innovative culture, thousands of IT engineers, application developers, unmatched labs, and integration centers for testing and deploying technology at scale, WWT helps customers bridge the gap between strategy and execution. To learn more about WWT, visit WWT.com slash twit. And by Stamps.com. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. Plus, with my promo code TWIT, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in TWIT. And by Podium. Join more than 100,000 businesses that already use Podium to streamline their customer interactions. Get started for free at Podium.com slash TWIT. Or sign up for a paid Podium account and get a free credit card reader. Restrictions apply. It's time for Twit This Week in Tech, the show where we cover the week's tech news. Fasten your seatbelts. This is going to be a bumpy ride. Oh, Doctor is in the house. Owen, J.J. Stone, apparently somewhat of an Eagles fan. So, somewhat. And, and I, I, last Sunday, like I wasn't on the show, it was my birthday. And I just want to introduce everybody to my Ooh. baby. What'd you get? It's got an L, uh, one of those L red rings around it. Uh, uh, it is, it is the fifty millimeter RF L lens. It, it's so beautiful. It is like I just, I mean, I love a lot of things. I mean, I have a child, and I have like I have so much as RF good. glass now. Almost oh, as expensive, this, actually. This thing right here. Oh, oh. You could send that to you could send a kid to college for that. Oh, what, hey, look, what is I'm the? Uh, She's what not is... going to college. She ain't gonna make it. I, I done bought. <laughs> I bought a one hundred to five hundred this year. I got the Holy Trinity and RF. I mean, I can't afford college anymore. Is that I mean, for um, an R five? Is that for the mirrorless or is that for? It is. It is. I'm I'm, I'm using the R five as my webcam and the nice. fifteen to thirty five because people always ask what kind of camera I'm using. It's good like, depth this, of field. Got, it's such good depth of use... field that the lens was out of focus while you weren't. Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was going to use this, but it looks so real. I got scared and I took it off. I, I was like, you know what? Let me go back to not being as sharp. I don't think people need to count my so eyelashes today. I really I, should be. I really want an R five. I'm so yeah, jealous. You, you bought too much Apple stuff. You can't afford it right now. I know. Now. It's right. I'm broke. 
All right. I broke. <laughs> also with us. hot. And he's going to, we're going to talk a little bit about that Apple stuff. Lou Maresca, who happens to work for Microsoft, but he's also the host of This Week in Enterprise Tech. Hello, Lou. Hey, Leo. Thanks for having me on. You moved to my, uh, my old stomping grounds. You moved back east. You like I did, it? I did. I moved to Rhode Island. I love it. I love it. It's got some sun, no more rain well, all it the snows. time. Talk to me when it snows. Okay. I'm okay with snow. Yeah. The kids will <laughs> like the snow. Yeah. That's and right. You got young people that can shovel the disc, shovel the sidewalk for you and all that. Right. My kids have actually barely ever seen snow. They, they all grew up in Seattle, so yeah. this is going to be new for them. They're going to be in shock. <laughs> That's right. As will you. Uh, <laughs> but no, you, you grew up back east, right? So you kind of. I did. Is, I did. Yeah. I, grew, I grew up in, a little bit in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, in New York area. Nice. Uh, so I, I know snow. Very nice. Hey, I want to welcome a, a new contributor to the show. Thrilled to have her. I've actually wanted to have Connie Guillaume on for some time. She's editor in chief at CNET, uh, works with people, great people like Lindsay Turrentine, who's on all the time. And it's great to have you, Connie. Welcome. Oh. Is it us or is it Connie? It was us. Say that again, Connie. We had you down. Oh, uh, my pleasure. Really great to be here. From Silicon Valley. That's right. Yes, and she uh, apparently has a CNET uh, sign stapled to her head. So no, <laughs> no, it's not. It's on the bookshelf. Thank goodness. Okay, I I think you should represent. I do, but that might be going a step too far. Apple had an event this week. So did Google. So did Samsung. Let's start with the most important. Samsung, now you can get your flip phone in color. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> I have to think Samsung was just a little jealous that Apple and Google were going to have events. And they said, oh, yeah. Let's do something. What can we do? Uh, we could make them in color. Okay. I actually like that flip phone. But uh, yeah, that flip phone you have is nice. I, I got to play with it. It's it's, it's actually nice. really nice. I, I like it a lot. I'm, you know, um, Google was rumored to be working on uh, its own flip phone, but they didn't announce that on uh, on Tuesday or Monday. Tuesday, I'm confused. Tuesday, they announced the Pixel Six and the Pixel Six Pro with absolutely zero surprises. We knew exactly what it was going to look like, what it was going to be. The only surprise was if you tried to order it. <laughs> in, in, in which case, Google just said, no, sorry, you can't. Got to uh, put off that demand. They had, uh, according to, I think, according to CNET, they, uh, they are making twice the number of phones they sold last year. Quite optimistic. Seven million. Still a low number. Less, fewer phones, I think, than Apple sells in a week but uh, for the whole year. But I think Google really is putting a lot in on it. Let's, let's start with this phone because I think we'll get to Apple in a bit. And I know, Lou, you have some opinions on that. Um, have you, Connie, have you, you guys, I'm sure you've already reviewed the, the Pixel 6 by now. Yes or no? Well, we're playing with it right now. And you're right. Uh, Google is investing a lot into that phone because they want you to use Android and be bought into their whole Pixel ecosystem. Uh, the problem is... There's a lot of good choices out there for you right now. You mentioned Apple introduced a phone. I mean, this is a good problem for consumers to have. You can get a Google Pixel or an Apple iPhone. They're both pretty good phones. Uh, I'm not going to comment on the colors for Samsung. I'm oh. not ready to get a flip phone yet. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's a good problem to have when there's competition and people there's push good the choices. boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. I had, a guy called paying the, for it. I had a guy call the radio show today. It was a hysterical call. Jim said, I'm an engineer. I'm a ham. And I, I tried an iPhone. I don't know why anybody would ever buy an iPhone when you can get an Android phone. And I said, well, Jim, sometimes people just want phones to work. 
They don't want to <laughs> mess with them. He says, well, yeah, there's, I was bored. There's nothing you could do with them. I said, yes. For a lot of people, that's a virtue. Um, so I think it's good to have some choice. Some people do like to mess with their phones. The cameras on the Pixel 6, and I, you know, it's really early. Everybody who has one is embargoed and can't yet show fo- photos until, I think, Tuesday. But somehow, some have leaked out. And the night shots look spectacular from the Pixel Six, especially the Pixel Six Pro. Um, that's going to be that's going to be the selling point. That's always the selling point. I don't care what <laughs> Apple does. I don't care what Samsung does. Whenever they say the word night, I just hit mute for thirty seconds. I don't want to hear nothing that they say that their camera does with a night shot compared to what Google does. That is like the camera is Google's bread and butter. Like people that have pixels. Really just think that they're photographers. They just want to take pictures. They, they, the technology uh, that they have and they use is amazing. And their night camera is superior. It should be even better. This time the sensor is two and a half times larger. Um, I mean, it, they've really doubled down on this. It's like this 50 is, megapixels, pixel binning. They got all the they stuff. Got, they're doing all the, all the things. 50 megapixel things. wide camera with an 82 degree field of view. F1.85. What is the F... Uh, stop on that fancy new camera uh, lens you just got for your R5. Uh, 1.2. Oh, shut up. (laughs) Just shut up. So the lower that number, the wider the aperture, the more light it can gather, uh, the more difficult it is to focus. Historically, uh, small sensors have not had great depth of field, uh, but uh, F1.85 is pretty wide for a camera phone. Um, It makes it almost worth that notch. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Well, let's not forget, too, that they have their own chip, the Tensor chip, and there's some AI built into this version of the Pixel. I'm not going to dispute that the camera is excellent on Pixel phones, but they're even pushing the boundaries to kind of idiot-proof <laughs> your photo taking, which I'm sure will appeal to a lot of people. But it's really, the, you know, that's that phrase, computational photography, that really is what this comes down to. Even if you have these double size lenses and stuff, they're still tiny. I mean, a half inch is very big. A very big sensor for a camera phone, but it's still tiny compared to, you know, your camera, Doctor Odakta, and others. Uh, so you do have to do some some processing, and that you've got a very powerful computer, Connie. It's interesting to see Google do their own chip. Do you know how much of their own chip the Tensor chip is? Uh, they haven't really given us a whole lot of details in it, but it makes a lot of sense that they would want to do their own chip. I mean. Step aside from what you can pack into a chip, the past year has shown us that the supply chain around the world is pretty fragile. And if you're relying on Asia for your supply chain and your chips uh, solely, you're going to get into trouble if you're making any kind of a hardware device. All the shortages we're seeing in the market today, right, are chip shortages. This is, you know, I don't think this is the reason that Apple started designing its own chip. It had a whole set of issues with Intel years ago, which is why it went into the chip world. But certainly... That is an advantage to them to invest and have the capacity they need to make hardware. So it won't surprise me if they pour even more money into it. Yeah, ironically, Apple's investment in in hardware, the the fab is uh, TSMC, Taiwan Silicon uh, Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. It's in Taiwan. Um, No one is admitting who makes the Tensor chip, but it's widely believed to be Samsung in South Korea. So neither of these chips are made in the U.S., but... If if and maybe this is why Google ordered seven million phones. If you order enough chips, TSMC or I suspect Samsung is much more likely to make them for you. And and in fact, Apple famously has pushed everybody out 
by basically buying up all the production TSMC can give them. That's uh, right. Yeah. Uh, you own, owning the line of production, that was a smart move. Apple did it, I would say, like five, six years ago. They had so much cash, and they couldn't figure out where to put that money in terms of products. And so they started buying up the supply chains and the factory production lines. They didn't build their own factories. They just bought all the capacity, basically, so that they could have at their disposal the inventory they need. There's an advantage, too, uh, and, and according to Rick Osterloh, Google started working on this Tensor chip four years ago in 2017. There's another advantage that Apple's really realizing, which is if you make the whole stack, if you make the hardware, the chips, the software, uh, the operating system, you can really design something that's purpose-built, that's really optimized for the things your device is meant to do, photography, for instance. And so, uh, you know, that's a real benefit. It's been a real benefit to Apple on the iPhone, then the iPad, now on the Macintosh. And I have a feeling that's exactly what uh, Google's looking at. And there aren't that many companies that can do that kind of uh, integration, vertical integration. There are not many companies that make every that can make everything. Google's one of the few. Uh, Microsoft, I guess, could do that. I don't. You don't. I don't want to make you the spokesperson for Microsoft, Lou, because you're not. But uh, <laughs> well, that's one of I mean, the other few other country, companies that could do that. They make hardware. They could make their own chips. I think they are working on their own chips. Yeah, I mean, all of them use. All of them start with a reference architecture, a reference product. I think you know, obviously Apple starting with one. Uh, Google starts with one. Microsoft, the SQ, the SQ processors are all baseline ARM processors from other companies that they basically add specialized hardware to, to define their OS. And I think that's that's the key to being successful. I think that's why Apple's being so successful. They've been able to start with a baseline and 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 really and really add in there. Google's successful because of the Tensor processor. I'll tell you one thing: if you add, I think it has three cameras on there. If you use the other two sensors for detecting light and other things, which is what they're doing when they take a picture. So you take a picture with one camera, and they detect light and do other things with the other camera. The other, and then they use the Tensor processor to process the that data together. That's why they're so good is because they're able to figure all that out and actually have a specialized processor because of it. And I think that's why they will continue. So you start with a baseline, you add the extra hardware, you will always be number one. Interesting. Yeah. The baseline, in this case, ARM, I don't know how much at this point... I mean, Apple has an ARM architecture license, which means that they can basically do whatever they want. I don't know what Google's license with ARM is. They can afford an architecture license. So I presume that they've, they've done that. Uh, that means you can customize the heck out of them. Um, uh, is it fair to call them ARM chips, even, Lou? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They all they all they all save start with the same architecture and memory model processing unit. Everything's the same, and then they just add different components to it to to add the power adjustments. Uh, you know, special things for the operating system. So they they do they do all start with ARM and on the same same architecture for sure. But why? So uh, ARM is not. You know, you might. At then conclude, oh, well, ARM is clearly superior to x86, the architecture used by Intel and AMD. But I don't know if that's the case. I mean, it's a RISC architecture, reduced instruction set, compared to Intel's CISC, complex instruction set. But by, an, by itself, that does not make ARM superior. In some cases, ARM's less. You were talking, I noticed in the chat room earlier, so I'm going to steal from you, that ARM historically was not great in multi-threaded performance. 
So the hard part about ARM is ARM is what they call a weak memory model. Um, and that means that they don't, they have what they call relaxed memory models, the, how they order the instruction sets. And so like what happens is if you're a developer trying to do concurrent processing and lock and block on the processor uh, for things to wait, to wait for reading, writing, it's really complex, really, really hard to do. So if you're going to convert your code from x86 to ARM, you have to go back in and rewrite almost all of that code to make sure that it, it does it right. And I think it creates a really challenging way of development. And so I would say it's not worse. It's just a lot harder to do. And that's where, yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I think that's why x86 thrived is because it was a lot easier. There are problems with the, they call them race conditions. When when you can't lock the process and you have two different things happening at the same time, you can have an unpredictable outcome. And that is a big problem, source of bugs. But aren't there languages i mean erlang and others that are designed to kind of handle these kind of challenging situations isn't doesn't the compiler take care of that well, all of them had to adjust. Like even Java had to adjust. Um, they they have you know things like atomic uh, constructs in there, volatile flags, stuff like that 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 do adjust. But again, they had to adjust and they had to optimize, and that's the key. Like even you know when C eleven came out, they were all multi threaded and all that stuff. And I think they had to adjust as well to be able to to handle these compilations uh, for you know especially even the M one scenarios. So even like like Office for instance is developed and it runs um, natively on the m1 system and so like a lot of work had to be done to go and kind of do a bunch of work to make that optimized and really really fast i I would say the same thing as for all all the apps yeah Yeah. very yeah i had not uh, you know you we should mention lou is a coder so he's he's intimately familiar with these uh uh, things and worked on office right are you still product manager correct yeah i'm I'm, I'm on the excel team actually okay so Mm -hmm. is intimately aware of these issues um so i'm glad to hear that i had no idea and so it's that's fascinating uh, to me, there's also the, I mean, you know, from the end user, there's definitely a marketing battle being fought. You know, Apple has its own chips. Well, so do we. We've got Tensor. You know, and I can understand why a company like Google uh, doesn't want to say Qualcomm too too often or too loud. <laughs> uh, the companies are also held back, aren't they, Connie? A little bit. Uh, I think Apple shifted away initially, shifted away from PowerPC. Because IBM just wasn't paying any attention to that platform and Apple was feeling left out. The same thing essentially has happened now with Intel. Controlling your own destiny, there's a lot to be said for that. You can release products when you want to. Yeah, and you're talking about capabilities. You mentioned Qualcomm, right? Uh, Google used the Snapdragon chip from Qualcomm, right, in their previous phones. And it just didn't have the processing heft that they wanted as they moved into some of this AI processing. You know, never mind overheating the phone if you're doing all these computational photography kinds of uh, things, as you mentioned. So why do you want your future beholden to someone else's R&D schedule? You don't, especially if you're somebody like Google and you have... I don't even know how much cash they have on hand, but I know it's a Plenty. lot. Plenty would be yes. the <laughs> operative word. Yes. Actually, I remember interviewing Andy Grove. Wait, I mean, this has historically been a problem. I remember talking to Andy Grove, who was the CEO back then of Intel. This must be th- almost 30 years ago. And he was railing against Microsoft, saying, we make great 32-bit, I think he was saying 32-bit, maybe he was saying 16, I don't know, processors. And Microsoft just won't make the operating system keep up. And, you know, so it goes both ways. Hardware companies sometimes feel uh, hobbled by software companies. Again, another advantage to owning the whole stack. Then you just go down the hall and yell at the product manager for the, for the operating system. And say, well, 
And, and let's remember, Google started out as a software company, right? It's got a search engine. That's true. But now they Good have point. all of this home uh, devices, speakers, Nest. I mean, they have a lot of gadgets and gear that they want to put into your home. So it's not just an investment in the phone. It's the investment in having you buy into their whole ecosystem, which, I mean, Apple is trying to do the same, and we can debate the merits of their HomePod or not, but uh, Google has certainly been <laughs> did I say? More. Did I mention it comes in colors now? <laughs> you didn't, but okay. Uh, but, but Google has been very aggressive, right, on the hardware side of things. Nest and all of the yeah, they're uh, a hardware company. Yeah, yeah. devices yeah, that, that they that, have. This this thing is the best thing I got going on in my house right now. What is that thing? The, the, the little YouTube. The it's little that oh, Google the remote TV, for the uh, Google TV. One. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's sensitive. As I don't know what, but I mean, it is. It just works, man. But that's like, such a Google works. product because. Google's so confused in life. They had an Android TV, and then they said, no, they had Chromecast. No, we're going to do this thing. It's Google. What do they call it? It's Google TV now. Google TV. But is it and? But then the it's so confusing. It's like, well, how is, what is that? Is that, what is that compared to Android TV? Well, it's the same, but different. It's, it's the same with the remote. It, it fixed the problem it's I had. freaking nuts. Cast everything. Now I could use this little bad boy. Don't don't try to conflate what they've done with this. Okay, this thing works. It's a good it remote. Amazing. Well, it's better it than the Apple TV good. remote. I'll grant and you the, that. And the interface is sexy. I don't replace all the things <laughs> in my house except for my main TV with this thing. My daughter loves this. Thing. Wait a minute. That's She's the like, only remote in your house. No, I've got 92 TVs. I've got 92 remotes. I mean, I've got to color code the back and put numbers on the back so I know which one's which. But uh, that is amazing. That is a modern. It's an upgrade. A, mo- a symbol of modern life is the uh, the armchair arm with five, six, ten remotes on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no more. No more. This, no this, more. This, this little bad boy. I'm, I'm just One make thing. sure I don't bite into it by One night. Thing. Think it's a candy bar. Yeah, it does look good. Other it's than awfully that, tasty. It's like a little white baby Ruth. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so related to this is Intel's decision recently to become a foundry. And I'm, I'm really curious what you think of that, Connie, because Intel, in a way, is it looks to me th- throwing up the white flag saying, yeah, we just can't get down to these five nanometer, three nanometer processes that TSMC is doing. Um, and our chip design is kind of laggard. Even AMD is starting to beat us. I know. Let's change our business model. Instead of designing and making our own chips, we'll make chips for other people. Even, he said, get Pat Gelsinger's new CEO, even Apple, should they ever want to come to our factories. Is is Intel saying we're not going to make, we're not going to design anymore? We're just going to make other people's chips? This is their new business model. I, I think that... Uh They've been slow in the mobile market, as we all know. Yes. The history they of Intel it. They missed it. screwing up the mobile market, yeah. yes, is legendary. That's that's the subject of many books. Uh, I think their decision to announce the foundry ties in, you know, I hate to bring it up and be the you know economist on this call, but Please the do. supply chain, right? Uh, both the prior administration and now Biden care about Made in America. You're not going to make a re- completely replace the chip industry that's in Asia. But I actually interviewed the woman who is the new Made in America czar for Biden. And what they want to get to is enough redundancy here in the U.S., enough supply. So if something does happen, you know, again, some sort of global event that disrupts the supply chain, that there will be capacity in the U.S. So that means that there's investment, there's money that you can go get to go set up this 
foundry. And that's, I think, part of what Intel is doing. They're playing into this made in America, help defend the position by, again, not replacing or duplicating what is being manufactured in Asia, which is, you know, I don't, you can't, but just enough so that you have redundancy here in the U.S. And so Intel becomes your fallback, basically. It's, 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 it's actually just, pretty smart. Was this stimulated by the chip shortage or other economic forces? It Was it just, oh, my God, we better have some own, our own capacity of our own? Yeah. I mean, I think the the chip shortage, we're feeling that right now, right? People yeah. can't buy cars, no. uh, refrigerators. I mean, think of any piece of uh, equipment that doesn't have a chip in it. Everything has a chip in it. So if you can get some of that manufactured here where you're not beholden to other supply chains around the world, and it's not just making them uh, you know, someplace else. It's getting them here. Transportation, right? There's a shortage now of shipping containers yes. and truckers, all of that. So it's pulling that uh, you know, problem out of your way at least enough so that you can uh, take care of some redundancy. And that's really what this Made in America initiative is part of. There's money going into it because people recognize just how much the U.S. is at the mercy of other supply chains around the world. Even the Defense Department is in this. The Defense Department enlisted Intel to increase American foundry capacity. They pointed out that 80% of uh, the chips that we use are made in Asia. 80% right. of leading edge manufacturing capacity concentrated in Asia, leaving the Department of Defense with limited onshore access to foundry technology. And there's this security concern. You know, we Huawei is a perfect poster child for this. We don't dare use their stuff in our 5G networks. Um, so there is a there is a economic reason to do this. There's a s- national security reason to do this. And Intel's the last company in america that still makes chips so it's gonna it's really natural that it's gonna come down on its shoulders it's really an opportunity i guess yeah well let's let's remember the u.s government spends 600 billion dollars on parts uh that's the purchasing power of the government and they want is that a something. year yep 600 billion dollar annual purchasing budget and they now have requirements about what percentage of what you're selling them has to be made in the u.s so if intel can capture more of that, it's an easy win yeah. if they can do it. Yeah, That's the big question. <laughs> it, it's, their, it's one of their last hopes of survival because Intel is dead in the water. They better start doing everything they can to hold on to some kind of market share and um, reliability. So good luck, yeah. Intel. Yeah. yeah luck. Actually, I wish them the best. Absolutely. Yeah. No, they they have the work the work the workstation market the PC market is still huge. But don't and you think it's slipping? To, I don't think so. I don't think so. You'll you'll be surprised. I think you'll be surprised what Intel will come out with. And and you know, obviously we already know that all their lake platform is almost identical to the M one platform. It's just got power issues comparably. But but that's you know, a I think big they'll get point. that under control. For network sure. operation centers, power is a big cost pro- problem. Sure. Right. Yep. I mean, look, if you look at AWS, they have their Gravitron processor, right? They did that for a purpose. And again, we get, can't forget that Amazon's, you know, the, I think it's the, they're the stealth organization out there. They do electronics too. And now they're doing servers and, and, and as well as AMD, I'm sorry, uh, ARM processors as well. Uh, but it, the same thing with Intel is I think they will figure it out. Um, will they go arm? No, but I think that they will figure it out and they will make something. I mean, you, everyone talks about mobile processors. When we talk about data center, they still dominate. 
And I think AMD and Intel will continue to dominate unless ARM can figure out how to be in the data center and to be efficient in the data center. Great article in Ars Technica by Tim DeChant talking about kind of the history of this. And I didn't, I wasn't aware of this, but one of the reasons TSMC has succeeded is because they had so many customers. Because they were making chips for hundreds of different customers, different customers had different needs, different technologies, more advanced technologies, and it allowed TSMC to build skill sets in a broad range of areas in the latest technology to build machines. These are very expensive machines in, in, in these more modern technologies. And so when the time came, uh, they were really well positioned to become a leader in chip fabrication. We, you know, it was our, in a way, it was our mistake, uh, you know, not not becoming these uh, a foundry company it was a mistake in this country not to not to really encourage these foundries. This is a uh, extreme ultraviolet lithography machine, uh, an example of the very very high tech machines used to design chips. Each one of these machines, oh, there's a quote in here, costs 120 million dollars, and to be a chip fab, you might have to buy a dozen or more every year for the next several years. That gives you some idea of how difficult this is. And this is bleeding-edge technology. So, uh, you know, this is one of the reasons we always talk about why didn't Intel get past 10 nanometers? Well, it's, it's things like this. And why? how did TSMC get to 5 nanometers so much more quickly? Uh, by being a foundry, working for many, many different companies, they were able to develop that skill Funded by somebody else, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, excellent article. Uh, about this. Um, and I, you know, I agree with you, uh, Lou. I, I want Intel to succeed. I want them to survive just as I want AMD to survive. AMD is a much smaller company, but faced with many of the same challenges. Uh, what about NVIDIA? Do you think NVIDIA, first of all, do you think they will succeed in their attempt to buy ARM? It looks like they're getting some severe headwinds in Europe. Connie, what do you think of the uh, prospects of NVIDIA buying? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, honestly. I think... I know why they want to buy ARM. Yeah, NVIDIA. for a lot of money, uh, by the way. It's significant. <laughs> well, they're looking at the future and they're trying to... Right. to $40 billion, dollars. yeah. Yeah. Um, whether they will or not, uh, that's an open question. There's a lot of... I mean, this is kind of an aside, but there's a lot of fear of tech companies right now around the world. No and, kidding. Uh, every uh, merger and acquisition is getting you know extra, extra scrutiny. And certainly the... EU is much more aggressive about scrutinizing all of those deals than we are in the U.S. It's not to say we're not scrutinizing them, but we're not doing it at the level that the EU has been doing it. So that is, I, I think that is the underlying issue is that they don't can't that they can't anticipate what they're signing off on, and so there's hesitancy to sign off on these kinds of deals. Yeah, um, I, I have high hopes for Nvidia. I feel like they're doing a lot of great innovation. They do not make their own chips, however, just like ARM. They're an uh, architecture company, not a foundry. So maybe this is a nice hand-in-hand with uh, Intel. I don't know. It's I think a- they might be too late, though. I think, you know, once, once Apple bought these companies, they started with ARM, and now they've built their own architecture off of the architecture. And now they're different from ARM in some sense. And they're, they're, they don't necessarily have to pay They don't need ARM at this point, channel. right? They don't need it anymore. Yeah. I think th- they might be too late. I think that's what I think here. Interesting. Yeah. In fact, I've seen articles that say, uh, and video will do just fine. Here's one from Forbes. But ARM, well, that's, an, <laughs> that's, another, that's another matter. They may struggle. Um, 
Let's take. I want to take a little break. There is so much to talk about today. I'm so glad we have such a smart panel. This is great. Owen and I will just sit back while Connie and Lou explain the world to us. How about that? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm in a Tesla on autopilot. I'm just here so I don't get fined. That's all. <laughs> How are the Eagles doing? I turned the TV off, Uncle Leo. We, I, it's, it's a done season for me. That might oh, be the last game I watch. Yeah. It's a rough year right now. We're, rough year. The, our 49ers are playing in a monsoon tonight in, uh, in uh, Santa Clara. So I don't know what it's going to be like. It's going to be a messy, fun, messy be fun game. to watch. Somebody, my, my wife says, oh, don't worry. Jimmy Garoppolo's a mudder. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, he yeah, does that, great in the mud. Okay. Yeah, f- football in the rain and snow is good football. It's fun. I it's agree. Messy. Yeah, our, Michael, as you know, our 18-year-old, is uh, a Green Bay Packers fan. Uh, yeah, he gets all the good weather. Yeah, I thought, I'm bringing you to Lambeau <laughs> Field in December. We'll see. Let's see. And you're gonna Can have to, I go? Can I go? Give me a ticket. I'll fly out. Would I'll you come with us? Oh, hey, I would love to go to Lambeau. That would be awesome. I know. That would be great. That would be that's awesome. Like, that's, that's a historical. I mean, I mean I'm going to be dressed up in like three parkas and no, looking like a good No, you have to paint your chest yellow and gold, green and gold, hey, and go hey. topless. I'm not losing a toe or a nipple for a football game. <laughs> it's not worth it. Right now. It's not <laughs> worth it. Too cold out there. Yeah, it's not worth it. Our show today, great panel here. Thank you. And Lou, it's great to have you. I always like to get you on. Such a good host on this weekend, Enterprise Tech. And uh, you're obviously, you can see why we, we value his uh, his brains. Really nice to have you here. Our show, I want to talk about the M1. We'll talk about the Pro and the Max in a little bit. There's lots to talk about. Also, uh, a tweet storm about Google's ad tech business that may be the beginning of some serious scrutiny for Google and Facebook together. But first, a word from my sponsor, as they say. Our show today brought to you by CrowdStrike. This is, to me, this is one of the most interesting security companies out there. You you know, you've seen us talk. Uh, you've seen the headlines. Uh, security now is pretty much all about ransomware. Ransomware at- attack after ransomware attack. Now they're going after the food supply. If you're a business uh, owner or a CISO or an IT guy, you, you probably feel like it's just a matter of time before they come for you. And then you have to make the fateful decision. Do you pay or do you lose everything? But there is a third option, which is to beat them before the fight even starts. With CrowdStrike, you're not alone in the battle against ransomware. It's in the name. CrowdStrike uses the threat graph from all their users, one trillion signals a day, seven trillion a week, to analyze, see what's going on on the net, analyze behavior on your devices, your servers, cloud workflows, to find the threats and stop them before they stop you. CrowdStrike's Falcon platform uses their threat graph power with advanced AI. I actually I was so interested in this, I got their uh, CTO on the line, Michael Santonis, because I wanted him to kind of exp- I was trying to understand what 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 do you mean CrowdStrike? How does ThreatGraph help find the threats? All the data points, the signals that we get come from the endpoints and the workloads that we have uh, around the world. So we have uh, an incredibly um, distributed network of customers from all around the world, and ThreatGraph enables our platform to correlate those approximately 7 trillion endpoint-related events per week in real time. It's amazing, but it makes sense. If you could have your finger on the pulse of the global security stature, 
you'd have an idea. You'd have an early warning system, wouldn't you? That's exactly the idea. Falcon Complete delivers the industry's most powerful set of tools to fight today's sophisticated cyber attacks. And the nice thing is they do the work. It's all delivered to you via the cloud in a lightweight, intelligent agent. Forrester did a study. They found that Falcon Complete delivers an ROI of 403%. I will add, and it gives you 100% confidence. CrowdStrike is harnessing the power of every click, every action, every ally to grow stronger and stop cyber threats before they can reach you. And this is going on every hour of the day. Expert management, threat hunting, monitoring, remediation. And they mean it, too. They back it up with CrowdStrike's breach prevention warranty. They guarantee for Falcon Complete Managed customers a warranty covering up to a million dollars in the event of a breach. Terms and conditions apply. Gardner's Magic Quadrant named CrowdStrike a leader for endpoint protection for 2021. This is a really, really interesting way to stop ransomware before it hits you. Join the fight. Experience the power of Falcon Platform for free today at CrowdStrike.com slash twit. CrowdStrike. It's in the name, CrowdStrike.com slash twit. Because what we've built together is worth defending together. CrowdStrike. We thank him so much for supporting uh, Twit. You support Twit when you go to that address, by the way, so that they know you saw it here. CrowdStrike.com slash Twit. All right, so we talked a little bit about the uh, Pixel 6. Actually, uh, uh, Jason Howell has the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro. He's got, he is embargoed. He was able to show it, but you can't review it. You can't show pictures. But I think all about Android on Tuesday is my guess. I don't... He's not even. I think he's not even allowed to tell me when the embargo lifts. He just goes, mm, I can't. Mm, mm. But I think Tuesday we'll have a review. I hope so because I'm going to steal it from him because I'm going to Mexico on Wednesday. And I want to take pictures of the Day of the Dead stuff. I'm going down to Oaxaca and I think with the Pixel 6 should be amazing. But watch That's all. That's the only camera you'll need. Do you think? I Could think I borrow your, uh, your 1.2 lens in the R5? Man, I love you, but I just said this is my newborn. I can't just give my newborn up for somebody to watch him. A I only had her a week. Millimeter f one point two lens. That must have. That must. And guess what? What? No. Here's the thing, right? So I own. This is how scam technology is, right? So I've had. Uh, I got all the Canon lens, right? This is a seventy to two hundred. Yeah, you know that. You see that on the sidelines of every football game. That it's that yeah. Canon color, that beige. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you how dumb some people are, right? Like I do this, I use this stuff for work and everything, right? But this thing costs $3,000 because it's the new version. It's slightly better than the old version, but it's new. So you buy it. Then my daughter plays sports. So I bought the 100, the 500, the new version, you know, because yeah, again, cause, yeah. that thing was, yeah. and that thing was $3,200. And then I bought this. So, <laughs> and the, and the, I will tell you, you know, you don't remember like, you, like five, so no, no, let me just say you like, like, remember like six years ago or seven years ago, my house got robbed. Yeah. A, you lost a, every Sandy storm. Yeah. I lost $50,000 of stuff. And and finally at this point today, you're back. I have respent $30,000 in camera gear and I don't know why I did it. But I, got, I feel good about it. I, I got I a love, worse. I got a worse story. I did the same thing for a Mark for a 5d Mark four, which is like my fourth right. Canon body. But all those lenses, now they got a new body. I got to get new lenses. The body doesn't matter. I had, Okay, so I had this 70 to 200. I had a 70 to 200 from 19. But that's an FE or is that for the, oh, this, that's the old FE. The R, the R, no, this is RF. This is the new one. Shut I'm up. Saying, I had the old EF, right? Yep. I had that lens for 20 years. Yeah. Until I got robbed. What are you like, sure? It, it oh, go he's bad. got like, it too. It didn't go bad. 
Yeah, they don't go bad. The glass is where you got to spend the money at. The body, I got the R. Yeah, but this got a new mount. Can I? Uh, can I put that? R- you're a, no, you're no, a you cannon got, you shooter too, I guess. Five, you got to have the R6. I got the R6. I had the US. Shut stuff. up. Like, you just get I me. Mean, look, I'm, I got I'm the Pixel like Six you. Pro, baby. That's all I need. <laughs> That's all you need in Mexico, though. I believe that you can get the challenge yourself. I believe in you, Uncle Leo. All right, I'm gonna try. Challenge yourself. I'm gonna try. I might bring. Let's one talk up. about how much money you spend on Apple this week. Shh. Let's let's talk. Oh let's talk my about that. God, was this an expensive week? So I okay. You know what, Connie, Lou. Owen, talk me down. <laughs> I am still in the reality distortion field. Uh, we watched the event. Apple announces the new M1 Pro. And as if that weren't good enough, the new M1 Max. Double the... I mean, everything's doubled or tripled over the M1, which was already fast. And the memory bandwidth is 3,000 gigabytes a second. And it's just like, what is going on? Um, I feel like Apple is flexing at this point. They didn't announce any desktop computers. They only announced, we're going to ignore the fact they announced colored mini home pods. We're going to ignore the fact that they announced a $179 iPod thing, which the AirPods for $179, which is crazy. Don't even go there. But... They didn't announce, They just announced laptops. The, these are updates, the MacBook Pro 14 and 16. And they, on paper anyway, 21 hours of battery life. On paper, these things look like they, they speed past everybody else. The only negative thing I've seen, and remember, nobody has one yet. Review, or they have them, but they can't talk about them. Reviews aren't out yet. So we'll see real numbers. Again, I'm in the reality distortion field. But the worst thing I saw was... Tom's Hardware said, well, okay, they're pretty fast, but the GPU on the MacBook Pro 16 isn't quite as fast as a maxed out NVIDIA on a desktop. Well, yeah, it's a laptop. Um, wow. Okay. I'm Connie, am I nuts? Should I just take a chill pill and relax? Is this not the best thing ever? Well, you should wait for the reviews next week. I guess week, so, that's yes. For sure. <laughs> but to your point, are they supposed to be smoking fast? Or what's Apple's expression? Wicked fast? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's their whole selling point. The CPU, number of GPU cores, um, you know, starting RAM, all of that. I mean, up, up, up. And why? Because most people have laptops nobody needs this no (laughs) i mean there's there's people who need it but it's a small tiny number of people right well the i guess you can never have too much power and too much speed that's the thing you don't don't think you need it people like me go oh i have to have it even though i'm really all i'm doing is doing you know taking notes in apple's notes i mean i'm not i'm not exactly challenging anything uh i'm not going to need all this four thousand gigabytes bytes per second memory bandwidth 57 billion transistors in the m1 mac that that includes memory uh the unified memory though 64 gigabytes is interesting because that memory is available of course for the cpu but also for the gpu so you now have a laptop which has massive memory on the gpu uh built-in hardware decoding and encoding for video for ProRes, mp4 and uh, hevc uh, a neural engine, I don't even know what you can do with that. Maybe uh, build uh, 
HAL 9000. I don't know. Thunderbolt 4. So, so you, okay, you didn't answer my question. You, you spent money. What did you buy? Okay, well, <clears throat> some of this I had to buy. I, I'm not asking whether you did. I'm just, I'm just answer about. I spent about. Question. I spent about. If you don't include about ten thousand dollars. No, no. Which version? Which one did you I buy? Got, okay, I bought two of the. I two maxed out. One of them is a gift because I promised a graduation gift to my nephew who just graduated from Rhode Island School of Design. He's a graphics designer. He needed a high end laptop, so I promised him. I thought they were going to come out in June. They didn't come out. He needs it because he's using uh, high end graphics stuff. He needs a really good GPU. And then one I got uh, for testing here. And then, see, maybe Connie doesn't know this, but we are stupid. <laughs> we buy everything that we're going to review. So uh, I, we don't, because I don't, I don't like Apple. I don't want to talk to them. So uh, we didn't, you know, we have people who do this who get loaners. Jason got a loaner, the Pixel 6. I'm sure Renee Ritchie has all the Apple laptops. But we, so I bought one that we'll review and then I'll give it to our, uh, our lead editor. Anthony Nielsen, because he should probably have this. But but you'll be proud of me, Owen. <laughs> it hurt. I didn't want to, but I bought the base model M1 Pro, a mere $2,000, because I could get that one on Tuesday. So there would, so I'd have a chance of reviewing it before I left. So, okay. L Lou, do you have anything to say about this Apple stuff before I get into this? Cause He's going to beat me up. I can tell. You're going to beat me up, aren't you? How do we know? I do. I do, actually. I do. You know what? I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I'm a big fan, actually. Um, the the M1 architecture, when we first got our hands on that, was like ridiculously fast. Like I think we were able to compile a full you know Office client as faster than our Xeon processor. So I'll tell you, like it's very fast. And and and, and I this can tell is you even that the this is like twice as fast as that was. More, even faster than that. Like it's you're talking about like seven times more transistors. And like, this it's, isn't like, it's, even their yeah. desktop. There's Right. Still going to be a Mac Mini Pro and an iMac Pro and a Mac Pro next year. I it, Apple is just show, is. I mean, it looks like. I think O Malik called him. Said a number of people said, "Look, you know what? They're a silicon company now. They are no longer uh, a uh, operating system company. They're no longer a computer company. They're they are a silicon company. It's a, so this is a steep." Yeah, this is Steve Jobs' thing, though. Like, think about it. Like, this is this is what Steve Jobs would have done if he was a silicon company, right? He he threw the yeah. kitchen sink in. They threw the kitchen sink in just to show how powerful they can be, and there's nobody's going to be able to catch it was up. A total for, flex, say, one to two years. Yeah. Yes, right. So let let's talk about it. This is the MacBook Pros now are completely stepped away from Intel, right? This yep. is all Apple, all Apple, uh, all Apple silicon, and they went over the top. Also, remember, Apple has suffered with the pro market on their laptops because you Absolutely. can get a more powerful Windows machine, no question. Yeah. Uh, you know, up until they announced this, um, people were like, it's not worth the money, right? All of the designers and programmers. And so they're just trying to smoke out the market. And $2,000 for the 14-inch Mac Pro with all of that capacity... That makes them very competitive now. And will they be two years ahead? I, I don't know. I hope, Lou, maybe he's right. But I don't think anybody can catch ahead. up. Yeah, I don't, I don't see how you catch up because you're using off-the-shelf components that are not beautifully integrated with your operating system. Uh, and so you just, you're limited. Off-the-shelf is never going to be good as purpose-built. And these are purpose-built. They're basically Swift machines. They're designed to run Apple software optimally. 
Uh, there, okay. Now, can I get in out of your Nope, nope, nope. You I'm just... not done yet. One more thing. Oh, uh, come on. <laughs> then okay, it's your turn. The thing that's really interesting is this is a complete repudiation to your point, Connie, of the 2016 MacBook Pros. They basically said, oh, yeah, sorry about that keyboard. Sorry about the touch bar. Really sorry about the MagSafe. Really yep. sorry. <laughs> oh, God, did we blow it. Uh, we're going to make it thicker, heavier. <laughs> and it's HDMI gonna, port. We're going to so put it just to make you people from the 90s feel okay. We're going to put an HDMI port and an SD card reader on there. By the way, UHS-2, pretty good. Nice, fast one. Um it, it's it's almost as if they said Johnny Ive doesn't work here anymore, right? <laughs> he doesn't. But yeah, yeah. He doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so this is, I think, for people like me who loved the Mac from ni- going back to 1984, I'm relieved. It really after 20, I kept my 2015 MacBook forever because it's 2016. I thought they don't care about the Mac. They're an iPhone and iPad company, and this is an afterthought. And boy, I mean, that's not the case. Clearly, not the case now. Okay, I'm done. Oh, Doctor, it's your turn. Flay me. Roast me, as the kids say. It's it's not you. First and foremost, physically, this is a sexy Lamborghini. Oh, yes, you brought me ports back. You brought me the magazine back. I I can plug things into it. But the Lambo needs a hydrogen fuel system, and no one has hydrogen fuel in the corner gas station. I was conned into buying a Mac Mini. I got it fully tricked out, and I thought to myself, it was going to be the fastest thing. Oh, wait wait a minute. Guess what? You got the old one. You want the new one. I I got the new one. No, no, that's the old new one. There's going to be a new new one. Yeah, 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 there'll be a new new one, but guess what? I live an Adobe lifestyle, and I can't edit photos on my M1. Now you tell me what. Now, now you got. Now you don't. Oh wait a minute. Wait a minute. No wait a minute. Jigga- Listen. Lightroom, Photoshop, Camera One, all of the Capture One, all of them are now M1 native. They are, well okay. It took them a while. A, I admit it. As a you as a user and someone who talks to photographers all the time, it is slow as I don't know what. What? I tell you what. They don't like guy- it. You don't like it. People, people don't like it. It's not just me. I will send you some files. You go open it up on your current M1 and tell me how you oh, feel but, about but the situation. I, my current M1 is now going to be the M1 Pro. But, but okay, that, that's and guess what? For for all the Lamborghini ness, you're telling me it better work. Four hundred gigabytes industry. a second. It better work with the industry standard program. So is, what the, I'm is the issue you can that all these numbers that you want? But I need compatibility. I think that's changing. Apple stuff. I think that's changing. I agree. Uh, look, they did Rosetta two, which was good. Intel stuff run okay, not great. But I'm even now when I open my M1 notebook and I look at the Activity Viewer, there are no Intel processes anymore. Almost everything. My Emacs is freaking M1 native now. Maybe maybe it's just me, or maybe it's just can user. Maybe it's the file that the way this file is. Maybe it's too big. I don't know what it is. But I know the files are too big. That's clearly the problem. No, I I think Owen has a Owen has a good point. Uh, Apple has lost professional. Users and they're not coming back. You think they're not coming back? I want to come back. I think I think they might come back because it comes down to you know uh, computers are a religious experience, right? And if you you're unhappy with your religion because they that's very good point, you know, left you behind, you might be more willing to give them a second second try. But there's no question that people abandoned the Mac 
um, pro models. They, they were not, you know, oh, compatible absolutely. or as fast. And so this is their answer to that. You're now, talking to somebody who bought a very expensive trash can Mac. Look, oh, yes. That it, was, what were you doing? That what were a, you doing? I mean, I deeply regret the wasted money. The, um, it was terrible. So, you're, and that's why I'm that's why I'm yelling at you about this. So I'm going to send you some files because I know you're a person who pay for your own stuff. So I can believe you when you say you opened it and it's lightning fast. I watched so many reviewers say, "Oh, this is the no, it's not." All right, no, I, no it's not. I'm gonna. I'll tell you what. Send me whatever that though. file is, and what do you want me to open it in? Uh, 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 Lightroom and Photoshop. Okay. I might even send you some 8K video. You can go pop that over. Send me it. some 8, 8K video. <laughs> and and again, when I say that, I will say Final Cut is smooth as butter, boy. Like I said, when, when it's their product, yeah, it's their working product. with the M1, yeah. it is on my iPad, my new iPad, and the little uh, mini. It is phenomenally fast on 8K, which is impressive for the, the base is, model machine. This is a laptop, right? I mean, yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's for, exactly. Again, Apple products, I expect it to destroy anything that I throw at it, Apple native-wise. But I just want to see how it works all the programs. And, and I, I'm going to buy one, too, Uncle Lee. I'm coming back. Lightroom, it, Lightroom, it Classic, Lightroom Classic is M1. I don't know about the new Lightroom. I hate it anyway. So, but Lightroom Classic is M1. I, Photoshop is M1. So they're native now. You're get, The thing that's interesting here is you're getting, because it's unified memory, back me up on this, Lou. You're getting really good throughput. Because everything's on the same dot, same core, same thing. Not right. core, but same die. Well, you got to remember the the first M1 processor was just to tease the market. It was, it's you know, they called it the MacBook Pro, but it wasn't. No, no, it's not really a MacBook. It was Pro. the entry it's, level. It's, Everybody told me yeah, it's, entry, it's level. entry level. Don't think of this as anything but entry level. Now I, you got to remember, Adobe's had a, a long time now, years to go in and and to go into to build against this new architecture. And I, I can almost guarantee when this thing comes out, there'll be updates, and you'll see a big difference. Uh, and and Lou, just to be fair, uh, as as you know, someone who doesn't know me, I yell at this, but I I'm, I bought one. I've already ordered one. Okay. <laughs> he gives me a hard he gives me a hard time. How I'm much just, did you I'm spend just, this Monday? I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, I, look I, again. The big the, you talk about religion. The biggest thing to say about it life is, is that thing I was telling you about when I got robbed yeah. before. Yeah. My Macs got stolen. I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to start building a PC. And for the last six years, I've done nothing but build PCs. And this laptop has reeled me back in because guess what? No more dongles. I get to actually plug things yeah. in. Oh, I mean, it's, it sounds dumb. They had me at MagSafe. Okay, they had me <laughs> at MagSafe. All right, that's all your boy needed. So we're going to find out, Uncle Leo. We're going to find out. But yeah, I ordered one. I ordered the base model because I thought, well, let's see how the base model is. You know, I mean, that's going to be interesting. I'll be comparing that basically to an M1 from last year. Uh, but I, it, I have to, I, again, it's just numbers on the page. It's numbers provided by Apple. So you can't really say this is how it is. On paper, it really looks very impressive. And it looks like and Apple's I, got some amazing chops. At what it and I went mid-tier because you can't update anything once you get the thing. Oh, it's, so all, just, it's all on the motherboard. Yeah, so it's I, it's I not went, even on the motherboard mid, now. The memory is in the yeah. SOC. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Upgradable? No. But you you got to max no. it out. Yeah. That's, no. that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got to max it. Yeah. That's why the Apple card is uh, so, so very handy. <laughs> oh, God. I, well, I still don't have one, so I didn't get my 3%. Oh, so, you know, just, Some people got 6%, by the way. And it turns Woo! out, for a while, I thought, oh, this is good. They're upping it to 6%. And then Apple said, no, that was a mistake. But we are going <laughs> to, but we're going to honor it. So good for them. Uh, you may have gotten, I don't think I got six back. I wish I had. What's that? <laughs> That's a lot of money. That's 600 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. 
<sighs> I knew it would be an expensive week. I just didn't know how expensive. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'll give you a hard time. What is 6% of $10,000? I, I didn't get the new watch and I didn't get the new phone, so that helped justify the laptop purchase. I tried to... The 6% to of 10 is 600 bucks. Right? Am I wrong? Who's I need an M1 Max. processor, clearly. I need an M1 Max. My, my, I need a better CPU. Floating point operation. I can't do it. That's right. Give me integers, baby. I can't, uh, I can't do is it. Is it fast enough to do fractions? That's all we need to know. Really? You know, I have to say, Emacs runs so beautifully on the M1 Max. It's so sweet. It's just great. Actually, Emacs... Believe it or not, did make a major leap because they're doing native compilation now. So uh, it is it is very lickety split fast. So is VS Code though, Leo. I don't know about. I you, like VS Code. Switch. I know, but it's Electron, right? Yeah, but it runs natively now. Oh really? Oh yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. There's native Electron. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's one advantage to using Electron. It sure is. Um, anybody want to defend the third generation AirPods for one hundred seventy nine dollars? <laughs> Anybody? They have MagSafe charging on them. They have MagSafe charging. Oh, great. That's all you ever... I'm going to put a big puck on the bottom of my AirPods. Did, did, did you buy them? No, of course not. Well, you should. Lots of people are going to buy them, though. Oh, of I course. Guess. If you don't have the pros already, you're going to get these for sure. These, I think it's going to be big They're less thing. than the pros. So, yep. yeah. Uh, it's got, and it has noise cancellation, right? So it's, got a, right. it's like pro-ish. Uh, do they? I don't know. Do they have? I don't. I don't think they have no, no, cancellation. No, they just have spatial audio. They, they have the right. spatial audio. I'm I am not paying one hundred seventy nine dollars for spatial audio. That's crazy. But do you, do you have the pro <laughs> headphones? Okay, I admit I brought the bought the Pro Max headphones. Whew. Terrible. Five hundred fifty dollars for nothing. You and I shouldn't be the friends. same thing as I, these. <laughs> yeah, and these are like two hundred yeah. bucks. <laughs> Google threw in a pair of Google Buds with my phone. They just threw it in for free. So I, I, I'm not an AirPods fan, I, I, I admit. And I'm actually getting to be less of a spatial audio fan. You want to defend spatial audio? Anybody? No. 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 It's a gimmick. <laughs> it's a gimmick. It, I, I honestly, at first I thought, oh, this is huge. It's going to be trained. But then I realized I don't really want the cello to come from over my left uh, ear over here. I don't, it should all be in front of me like a normal band. And uh, and spatial is is artificial. It's not it's not how it's not real. It's artificial. I don't like that. Stereo is fine because because it's stereo. It's left and right ear and it's a band in front of me where it belongs, not above me, below me to the left and behind me and all that stuff that's crazy i think the big key here though is it's still got the h1 processor in it and i think you'll start to see more and more people especially people who are you know losing hearing or whatnot i guarantee more people will buy these and use them because of just the capability of amplifying their their ambient sound around them and so on i think this is this is gonna be the platform when does I, I, they delayed it but the fda has agreed to make uh hearing aids an over-the-counter product Yes, that's very gonna be very necessary. A big transition, yeah. Hearing aids. My hearing aids are six thousand dollars, and the hearing aid companies are doing what companies do in the fashion and say, "This is an electronic. You just buy at any store. These are specialty items. It can't just be so." So many people need the devices and can't afford them, so they go without to have them have options. That, that's why I, a lot of people have used um, uh, iPhones, headphones for that 
reason I read an article about that too, but same thing we're talking about with the other headphones. You got to have more options out here for these people because most people with hearing deficits go without uh, hearing aids. So currently, this was supposed to happen, I think, last year, but currently, according to the FDA, and I'm at their website, there are no products that can be legally marketed as over-the-counting hearing aids. Uh, they continue to be restricted devices, which means you got to have, you got to go to an audiologist. You got it's it's much more expensive. At some point, though, and and you know maybe maybe there's such a big lobby, the hearing aid lobby. At some point, when they go over the counter, I think you're going to see some huge breakthroughs, and Apple yeah, you, could easily be right in there, right? You have really low latency, and you have really high powered phone in your pocket. Right. Like I think that's going to be the with, key. A, with great microphones, right? Right. Um, exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to f- find out what the what the ETA is for over the counter hearing aids. And it's not uh, the FDA website does not have anything except um, it hasn't happened. This the FDA reauthorization act of get this 2017 <laughs> mandated over the counter. Uh, okay, so the the currently. Regulations are published for public content comment, and will eventually publish final regulations. Eventually, someday, in the in the future. Yeah, they missed their deadline. God. to release the draft <laughs> guidelines for doing it, so we're still waiting. Of course, they did, because the big companies that make six thousand dollars per pair are slowing it down. I'm sure. Uh, all right, I um, I think we probably need to talk about the elephant in the room. Big tech, because it is a big ass elephant. You don't want to throw an ad read in there for us before you get onto this. Maybe you're right. <laughs> Maybe you're right. That's a good idea, Owen. Let's, let's let's pay these bills. Pay these bills. Then we'll talk about big tech. Big thread. Uh, the apparently the uh, the uh, attorneys general uh, lawsuit against uh, Google. The documents have now been unredacted and are available. And there's a big thread on Twitter from people who are a number of threads from people who are reading them and coming up with some surprising information. This is the lawsuit. It was headed by the Texas AG, but I think almost every state signed on to it. Uh, Google's got some explaining to do. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Our show today brought to you by Worldwide Tech. Love them. And VMware. WWT at the forefront of innovation, working with clients all over the world to transform their businesses. WWT and VMware together work to help you accelerate your digital transformation journey by combining WWT's IT consulting and solutions and other services with VMware's technology platforms. They develop the flexible, scalable, and secure technology solutions you need to achieve your business ambitions. WWT, we were out there, uh, that was our, you know, last trip before COVID in March of 2020 and saw all the things that WWT does. I was blown away. This, if you are buying enterprise technology, this is your partner. You, and by the way, they are partners. They're a VMware principal partner holding seven master service competencies. WWT's proven approach and powerful infrastructure help you discover, evaluate, architect, and implement advanced technology. And you could do it in that amazing lab. This is one of the things we saw, the ATC, the Advanced Technology Center. It's what they use to develop these 
uh, proofs of concepts and integrations and tests, and you can use it too, which is so cool. The ATC is a research and testing lab that brings together technologies from leading OEMs like VMware. More than half a billion dollars in equipment invested in the lab. I'm old enough to remember when uh, ZDNet used to have that beautiful lab in Foster City. But the magazines, they're not there anymore. They're not doing the testing. Thank goodness. Uh, Worldwide Technologies jumped into the fray and created this own, which is, a, by the way, the nicest lab I've ever seen. Rack upon rack of amazing equipment. And you can use it too. Hundreds of on-demand and schedulable labs like Tanzu Mission Control, VMware Cloud Foundation, Workspace One, NSXT, Carbon Black, and VeloCloud. Just a small number of the VMware labs representing the newest advances in digital transformation. Other labs in the ATC represent uh, all, I mean, just all the stuff that you'd want to know about. Multi-cloud architecture, that's hard to do. But you can try it out in the lab. Security, networking, primary and secondary storage, data analytics, AI. They're even up on the latest technologies like DevOps and Agile. And they can help you with that, too. WWT's engineers and partners use the ATC to quickly spin up proofs of concept and pilots so that you can confidently select the best solutions. And with the ATC, you don't have to, you know, get in line. You can test out your own products and solutions before you go to market. Not just tests, not just labs, but, but technical articles, expert insights, demonstration videos, white papers, all the tools you need to stay up with the latest technology. Completely virtual. You can use it anywhere in the world, any day, any night. And when you're there, I'll tell you, I can sign up to do this for free, by the way, in a sec. While you're there, though, I want you to check out the events in the communities, too. They are a community of of people who want to help each other learn about technology trends, hear about the latest research and insights from their experts. We did a panel when we were out there. In fact, next time we go out, we should bring you, Lou. Uh, Really, really, really cool. Whatever your business needs, WWT can deliver scalable, tried and tested, tailored solutions. WWT and VMware bring strategy and execution together to make this exciting new world happen. To learn more about the WWT, the ATC, to gain access to all their free resources, all you have to do is go to WWT.com slash twit, create a free account on the ATC platform. That's it, WWT.com slash twit. Thank him. WWT so much for uh, supporting what we do here and uh, thank you for supporting us by going to that address wwt.com slash twit another way you can support us of course club twit uh, if you're not already a member consider it you wouldn't be hearing this ad if you were a member how about that ad free versions of all of our shows ad free tracker free i know we we actually did this because people were asking for it but there's other benefits there's the members only twit plus feed which has all sorts of content lisa and i did an inside twit uh on uh, thursday you can you can or was it friday it was friday you can listen to that on the feed there's uh, steve gibson's ask me anything there's fun and games and then of course access to the fabulous discord uh which has turned out I think you'd agree, Lou, I know you're in there right now, to be really the the best kind of surprise benefit of Club Twit. I just love the people in there. Really cool people. Find out more at twit.tv slash club twit. $7 a month, that's all. Uh, and it really supports us. Uh, and and people like Odakta are in there. And Lou are in there talking. It's a, it's, it's a party. If you're not in the Discord, you, you don't have a gift. 
what are you, what are you doing with your life? That's you right. got to get in there. You get some, it's a party. You need to use the there. gifts. That's it great. is. Animated party. gifts, baby. Actually, Evanescence uh, is saying try Capture One. It is also M1 native. I've been using that on my uh, laptop. And I, you know, you get used to Lightroom and how it works. You kind of don't want to change. I'm but, an old dog. I, I'm going to give it a new spin because somebody, a lot of people have been telling me that. So I, I'll, I'll give it a try. It's, it's not cheap. It's, I have to say, the other thing to consider, there's some really good kind of Apple native stuff like Affinity Photo that really is pretty impressive or Pixelmator Photo. Uh, that's very well. Pixelmator on the Mac is very impressive, and is also M1 native and has more Macish maybe. Affinity's doing some amazing stuff. It's Serif software. They're doing some amazing stuff. So there's some Apple stuff, you know, Apple specific stuff that's very good too. Um, I don't. I think we actually are in a kind of a boom time for photo software because uh, there's different kinds of you know. Some photographers just want Instagram style filters. Some people want like complete control of LUTs and <laughs> I want every layer and I want histograms for every color and, uh, and, and, and you get your choice nowadays. There's some really good stuff out there. It's one of those things you just, I'm cracked out in the system. I've spent so much money. Right. I've like my, 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 my Photoshop and my Lightroom are not human based. Like my preset list is like a dinosaur Roman earth. Like it just destroys everything. I don't know if I can port it to anything else. I, well, you probably I can't. No, all the yeah. tricks and trades. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's an investment, Uncle Lee. I've spent too much money. I know. Well, not just money, brain cycles. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, I, what, I can what? do I could do I could do it with my eyes closed. I just whip this thing out. Everything's already all set up. Oh, look at I'm that. Just, I'm just a clicking and a whizzing and, you know, is, being comfortable, but it is nice to try to What is that? Things. That's not a stream deck. What is, or is it a stream deck? What is that? It's a it's the loop deck. It's like a stream deck. Yeah, yeah, but it's for photography, videography, nice. all that stuff. Nice. You can program it, do whatever, but blah blah blah. Uh, let's talk about, uh, this, I don't know. Is this a news story? To me, it kind of is this long, uh, tweet storm from Patrick McGee. Patrick is a San Francisco correspondent for the financial times. Uh, he knows and writes about ad tech. And I think in some ways this might go under the radar because it does require kind of an intimate knowledge of ad tech and how it works, but it is kind of, I think damning. It's an unredacted complaint from uh, the state attorneys general. This is, was filed back in December. It was the first time we've seen it without any redactions. In fact, if you want to see how much was redacted, um, anything purple has now been unredacted, and it's a lot of stuff. But, and I don't know if any of you have read this yet, but it really sounds like Google has been, with full knowledge of its illegality, colluding with Facebook and others to completely own the online ad tech market. Any thoughts, Lou? You get, you, is this something that, I mean, it's, it's kind of beyond my pay grade, so. I'll, I'll, <laughs> Way beyond mine too, Leo. Yeah. Way beyond mine. Uh, All right, so I'll just chime in here. Please, Connie, you, you know, you must explain. All right, so, yes. so Google makes something like, $182 billion a year. The Most of that money is made from advertising. Yeah, it so ain't from the, search. It ain't from Gmail. It's from ads. Correct. Ads on all of those services, which each have a billion plus users, right? So that's a lot of eyeballs that you're uh, getting your ads in front of. Um, <clears throat> and what the lawsuit 
the unredacted lawsuit. Again, this is what the state attorney generals, it's led by Texas, and there's like 12 or 14 other states, I think you said, have joined them. I don't know the exact number, but at least a dozen other states have said that Google is manipulating the ad network in a variety of ways. First, to give preference sometimes to Facebook. Um, Facebook and Google, according to some of these documents, apparently didn't like the fact fact that Apple was trying to make sure you didn't know who their users were and protect their privacy. Well, when you're targeting ads, and targeted ads are, you get a much higher premium when the ad is targeted than if I just show you an ad for a Home Depot or something random, you know, that you might not be interested in. So targeted ads means that I need to know who you are then, or, you know, have a sense of who you are using all of these metrics that these various companies, Facebook, Google, and others use. And so they didn't like the fact that Apple was really putting user privacy first, (laughs) Google and Facebook. And so uh, they were trying to figure out ways to have Facebook show more ads, according to the state attorney generals. Of course, Google, Facebook, and the tech companies are going to have to defend this. And the other thing that these documents say, and again, I encourage people to read them, I've only scanned them, is that Google gave preference to its own ad. Uh, it would bid on its own exchanges, and it, it won a lot of its own ad business itself on an exchange that over which it has monopoly uh, power. It sets the price for what, uh, you know, if you're a small business and you want to put an ad on the Google Ad Network, it decides how much it's going to charge you a cut of your ad sales, and so it charges people a lot of money, and basically you know, game the system to its advantage. This is what the attorney generals are saying, and that's what will be debated. It's misusing its monopoly power in the ad market, of which it is the primary beneficiary. I I found a stat that like 75% of all online ad oppressions in the U.S. during the third quarter were served by Google. That's how powerful it is. Google, Google processes 11 billion online ad spaces every day. Yeah. 11 billion ads a day is the, I mean, it's dramatic. The complaint alleges, and I think it's, a, I think after reading it, it might be a fair allegation that essentially because Google owns both the buy side and sell side on this, that they are effectively, <laughs> says the complaint, pitcher, batter, and umpire all at the same time. Uh, they quote a Google employee who admitted if the analogy would be if Goldman or Citibank owned the stock exchange. They are both buying and selling, and they're controlling the bidding to end up in their favor. And the only reason that they've dialed in Facebook is uh, because they can make more money. <laughs> There's, uh, According to this, uh, again, this is all allegations from the state's attorney general, but I think quite well documented. Google has a secret deal with Facebook. They call it Jedi Blue. They knew it was so illegal that it has a whole section describing how they'll cover for each other if anyone finds out. Furthermore, they have a team called G-Trade that is dedicated to ad market manipulation. Google, remember, we, we were all upset about Google AMP. Google said, well, we'll, we'll you know, this is all about making the web a better place. All the JavaScript has to come from our servers. All the ads have to come from us. All the all the content will will serve so it's faster. It just makes the web faster. That's all we're interested in. But AMP was really about preventing people from circumventing Google's ad exchanges. AMP, in fact, didn't always make things faster, only made them the median of sites faster. But they really pressured 
And I bet you CNET has AMP content. They really pressured the publishers to support AMP. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they and sure did. With the promise that you would do better on search results and you'd be faster and your customers would be happier. Uh, your readers would be happier. But really, it turns out, at least according to this, that it was mostly just about making sure that you were locked in, that everybody was locked in. And it's not just bad for... Uh, it's 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 not just bad for other ad companies. It's bad for small businesses that are going to end up paying more and getting less from the ads they buy. You know, it doesn't. And I think one of the reasons it's going to be difficult is it's hard to show consumer harm. It's a more nebulous thing. But well, the consumer harm is if they charge more for ads and companies have to pay for those ads. The cost of doing business always gets passed on to the consumer yeah, in the in price the long of goods. Run. Yeah. So yeah. that's the answer there. So this is, I mean, you know, a lot of um, the complaints about big tech, I think, are misguided, have to do with bias or perhaps big tech stirring up extremism, things like that. But this one is a little more concrete and a little more clear and I think also a little more prosecutable under antitrust law. Um, this, this seems to me, and I'm no lawyer, a clear violation of the law. And it also brings to mind the question, uh, is this do no evil motto of Google genuine or well, a marketing to, to, statement? To, to say what I'm offended by, I, I just looked in the corporate book of America here. Thank First you of all, for checking that, you're, yes. You're, 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 you named the thing Jedi Blue. Like <laughs> you're, You have a thing that says do no harm, and then you pick the most positive fighting force in our universe <laughs> to call your secret evil plot. They should plan. go to jail just for that. <laughs> just for that, somebody needs to go to jail. But I will remind you in the corporate world, I'm sorry that I'm yelling because this kind of thing always makes me very upset because we all know what's going to happen. Very, very rich people pay a very, very heavy fine, which is pennies to their pocket, related to me getting a speeding ticket or a tent ticket, $57. It's an annoyance, but I pay it and I move on. They're going to get fined for this because this is something they cannot escape of collusion and it does do bad things directly. But I don't think it's going to end and or stop with the government doing anything about it. I Someone's going think to pay a it fine. might. I don't think this is finable. I think you, for instance, and this is to, this is the kind of collusion antitrust law specifically addresses. Facebook and Google didn't want to compete with Facebook over ads, the other big ad market, right? So they yes. built a moat by collaborating instead. Facebook and Google in this in this indictment allegedly agreed on quotas or complaint, not indictment, and uh, for how often Facebook would win, for how often Facebook would win auctions, the publisher's auctions, literally manipulating the auction with minimum spends and quotas for how often Facebook would bid and win. So they got together, this is directly in violation of antitrust law, and colluded to dominate the market. They said, all right, you're going to take this, we'll take that, we'll split up the world. That is very clearly bad behavior. I don't think a fine is going to... I don't know so, what else you uh, can do, but I don't think I, a fine I, is going to handle it. I hope that you're correct, and that would be great if it happens. But I'll also remind you that I watch people in politics ask about Finsta 32 times I in a know, row when they couldn't understand explanation. So them understanding the technology and how to fix it 
that's a large ask, Uncle Leo, and hopefully you're right that they do fix this. I would agree with real, you. It's a real issue. It's that, a real issue. That things like uh, does Facebook create extremism, that's going to be very difficult for Congress to deal with. It's a very complicated issue. Uh, and and there's evidence on both sides. And I don't I, and that requires some deep technological understanding. I think these guys are understand business, and they, and they understand collusion, and they understand ad markets. That's not technology, that's kind of basic economics. And I think I think you could count on Congress to understand this issue. It's not Congress. This is going to go to the courts. Uh, the courts will decide on a remedy. I don't know what remedy. Um, maybe you know you get you get a court appointed uh, person uh, ombudsman representing the people inside or something. That's what they did with Microsoft. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, but this is bad behavior. Let me just very say bad. It, it does some evil. <laughs> it it does do some evil, and I think it's very clear. You know, you could point to it. It's a lot harder to say. Well, you know, is face did Facebook pull down enough COVID nineteen stories to really? I mean. That's hard. That's a, all. Of that's very subjective, uh, uh, and it's and it's a judgment call. But this is pretty darn clear. Uh, it's a very interesting uh, complaint. I think one of the one of the big thing is that you know they're, they're going to be dragged through the mud here, right? So I think that's one of the big things the AG wants to do here is he wants to make their business public. Yeah, he wants to make their financial data, their user data, yeah. their you know all that public, right? And I think that's what's really going to hurt Google in the long run, even if they win the case. So public opinion. Right. But at the same time, aren't we all dependent on these companies? <laughs> like, uh, you can tell everybody how evil Facebook is, but nobody's going to. But my grandma's on there. It's free. I don't pay it's for free. it. That's the biggest thing they got going for themselves. Google's free. I, I use Google Docs. My kids are using it in school. I, if they, if Google shut down tomorrow, my child would not be educated for the next three years. I don't know what they do. Microsoft exactly. tried to swoop in there. Microsoft tried to swoop in there, but. It, <laughs> No, that's a good, but that's the point. The they are world. so woven into the fabric of our society, and we love them. You know, I've just finished uh, Brad Stone's book, Amazon Unbound, the second volume of his. And it's really great stuff. Uh, and it is somewhat of an indictment of Amazon, and particularly of Jeff Bezos. But I still love Amazon, and I'm never going to stop it. They have, they, and we love them even more because of how they you know, kept us going during the pandemic. These companies are so woven into our society and we are so reliant on them. I don't see a huge consumer backlash. It's appalling. It's shameful. But I'm not going to stop using Google. Connie, what do you there's think? No, <laughs> you know, I, I sat through the Microsoft antitrust oh, hearing. remember that. When was that? 20-something oh, uh, years ago. Yeah, yeah. And the thing, I mean, I'm a tech user. You're all tech users. We love our tech. And you're right. There's a lot of great things that come out of using these services. And they have made our lives very different. Um, I love that I can Skype with my kids around the world yeah. and it costs me nothing, right? Yeah. I, it's amazing what you can do. But I think, uh, you know, I lose point about PR. You know how in every James Bond movie, the villains, you know, have their secret lair, lair and there are like hundreds of people sitting at these little terminals typing. And they go home at night and like, hey, what happened today? Oh, the secret British agent came in and blew up the facility. I guess I got to find a new job. Right? Like, so at some point, these people who are maximizing profit or putting profit ahead of principle or people, I mean, that's what happened with Microsoft. What were they trying to do? They were trying to maximize profit. Right. And ethics 
were not part of the discussion. And that's what we're seeing here, I think, to a certain extent, or certainly with Facebook and how it's, oh, we can make money, you know, selling Cambridge Analytica data about users and it's money, right? Like it doesn't make a difference who we're selling it to or what the ramifications of it are. We're making money. And Google, oh, we have an ad network. Let's optimize how we make money. At some point that has to has to come into consideration for the people that work there because we're seeing employees become much more activist about the companies we work they work for which is why you had a facebook whistleblower go to congress with all of these documents but uh i just think that you know those those people who work in these you know factories at some point have to say wait a minute you know the british secret agent just blew it up what am i doing here (laughs) and i hope that it's a moment of reckoning. I mean, people will come and go, right? Uh, we're looking at the trial of Elizabeth Holmes right now in Theranos. What she's done, sure, it, it's, you know, she did something wrong, but she's not the first person to, to game what her company was doing. I mean, we can go to Uber and lots of other companies. It's that kind of behavior that somehow is conflated with, you know, American capitalism. Yeah, and play that, hard, think, is the problem. Play to win, move fast, break things. And we honor, we celebrate these uh, entrepreneurs. Elon Musk can right. lie all he wants. And we still, you know, hey, look at that. He just put a guy in the orbit. Um, I, you, you make well, a really good point, though. There is a shift in power in the power dynamic because engineers now are so valuable and so important to these companies that when an engineer says, hey, I don't like what we're doing here, the companies can't ignore that. And that is a big change. Right. That is definitely where a lot of this stuff has come to the fore in the past few years is employees exposing and bringing documents to light. Have we ever seen that before? I mean, I think, you know, there was activism, you know, in the Ford plants in the 20s, and they were able to shut it down and bring in the Pinkertons and beat some people up. The problem is that uh, employees in in an assembly line were kind of interchangeable. They didn't have that power. But engineers are not interchangeable. They're of scarce resource. Lou. We'll see. I mean, I am, I am, I am pessimistic that it'll change anytime soon. But Lou, what do you think? You're in yeah, he's world. an engineer, and uh, you do. I mean, do you do, do you feel like do you see the engineers around you feeling a little more empowered, like a little more that? Yeah, you know, I mean, it happened. And Microsoft said they said uh, we don't. Didn't they say we don't want to do um, government contracts? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a big thing, actually. There's a lot of engineers. Um, we don't you know, want to work when, for the defense engineers. Department. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, and in fact, I think they do feel empowered. I think there's a lot of movements that are now, um, you know, starting from, you know, engineers who say, hey, look, I'm important, too. And, you know, what I work on, I want to know what I work on and I want to know where it goes. And, uh, you know, I'm going to make sure that my organization feels that way, too. And I, you're starting you're starting to see this a lot. It happens in Google. It happens in Facebook. It happens in Microsoft. You know, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm starting to see this even more and more in the industry. So, I, I, you know, I definitely feel like we, you know, alone feel more empowered. Only because, like you said, organizations depend on us. Uh, you know, it's not going to be the salespeople that are going to build the software. No, and you're not widgets anymore. You're not uh, somebody right. on an assembly line screwing in a doorknob. You are... Uh, all precious little unique snowflakes, <laughs> one of a kind <laughs> that we and, are, <laughs> and hard to come by. Uh, you know, this is this talent is really hard to come by. That I don't, I can't think of another time when 
workers individually had kind of that kind of power. I could, you know, workers have organized, and that's the union movement in the country and so forth. But I can't think of another time when workers, individuals, have been able to do this kind of whistleblowing and. It's really changed things quite a bit. Thanks, Snowden. I mean, look at Susan Fowler and what she did at Uber. Exactly. Right? That, we're now that, seeing that. That was transformative. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Apple is the same. They're in the midst of a Me, Susan Fowler-like moment yeah. right now. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage, though. And I, I actually give these people you know, a lot of props for the amount of courage it takes to say, you know what, I'm going to throw myself on under the bus just to make a difference. Um, you know, especially the, the recent one with Facebook is, you know, I'm going to throw myself under the bus because I worked for this company for a long time and it's, it's altered its paradigm and it's and what it does at the company. And I don't like it and I don't want to do it anymore. I'm going to go and make a difference right, here and I'm going to throw myself yeah. under the bus. It's interesting. These are all women. <laughs> I don't, uh, we're, maybe us guys, we're just going to keep our head down and work. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, thank goodness there's women standing up and saying, no, this, this shall not pass. Uh, let's take a little break. Connie, you've got a, a, a memory from 20 years ago. I would love to share. We'll do that in just a little bit. Lots more to talk about. How long have you been at CNET, Connie? Editor-in-chief. That's pretty. That's a big shot. Uh, seven years at CNET. Yep. Where were you before that? I know your name. I was at Forbes before that. There you go. Bloomberg. There you go. And I started at MacWeek. I was on the launch of Wired. Oh. I was a tech reporter my whole career. I yeah. know your byline by heart, practically. Yeah, I've been. We've been. <laughs> we've been stealing your new your enterprise reporting on this show for years. <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate all the work you do. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> now editor in chief at CNET, Lou Maresca. Great to have you, of course product manager at Microsoft, but more importantly, at least to me, uh, the host of This Week in Enterprise Tech every week on uh, Twit at Lou MM, and a very, very welcome a member of our uh, Twit community. We just love having you around. Thank you Thanks, for the Lee. great job you do. And Owen J.J. Stone, there's no explanation for him. He just is. He just I, I am, exists. I am, the, I am the fourth smartest panelist today. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm going to race you to the bottom on that one. It's you or me, I, buddy. I, I, I don't know. Hey, you're reading articles. I'm giving you third place for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're, he's the color guy, right? Hmm. You're the guy on the on the play-by-play team that goes, you know. <laughs> Back I'm, one. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just in my basement with a full hat, you know, just being a regular guy. You know what I mean? I love that's it. All, that's all. I'm sorry about your eagles. Uh, oh, yeah, they, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry yeah. about I that. Turn the TV off. It's all yeah, right. it's okay. Uh, we had a great week this week on Twitter. A lot of fun, and I think we made a little mini movie for you to enjoy. Watch. Really love Pixel the design. Six I have to say, designed the camera bump now. Up. We'll have to see. To Wait a minute, Jason. Don't you have one? You. Can you? Oh my God! <laughs> Previously on Twit, all about Android. We have the Pixel Six and the Pixel Six Pro. I think they've actually managed to hit that real original pixel nexus style feel of this is an affordable flagship twit news the m1 max mac it's the largest chip we've ever built by far dobbins the gpu to a massive 32 32 (laughs) mac break weekly they're still only building laptop cpus and imagine what's going to happen when they release a desktop mac where they don't have to worry about heat because they can put in a fan they don't have to worry about power consumption because it's our always plugged into ac this week in google facebook is planning 
trying to rebrand the company with a new name. Maybe the name might have something to do with Horizon. Because remember, Mark said Metaverse is our next, you know, big focus. By the way, define the Metaverse for me, please. Stacy, you're the... Uh, the nope. Little, the... Nope. <laughs> nope. No, no, no. No, no. No, no. If you missed Twit this week, you missed a lot. <laughs> We did eventually define metaverse. I just, I just want to say, <laughs> I want, I'm very curious about this Facebook renaming. We'll talk about that in a second. But first, a word from our sponsor, Stamps.com. If you have a small business like mine, you know, time is money, right? You know, the last thing you want to do is drive over to the post office, find a place to park, get in line, buy stamps. That's that doesn't seem like a good use of your time. What if, what if you could? Just print all the U.S. postage you'd ever need from your computer with your printer. No postage meter necessary. That's stamps.com. But it's more than just printing postage. You can print right on the envelope. You could print postage for any kind of package. Stamps.com makes it easy to mail and ship without ever getting up from your desk. You'll save time and you'll save money because you can get discounts from Stamps.com you can't even get at the post office. Send letters and packages for less with discounted rates from the United States Postal Service. And now, see that yellow logo? Now UPS as well. This is a total shipping solution. Stamps.com has been around since 1998, an indispensable tool for nearly one million businesses, including ours. They bring the, the services of the Postal Service to your desk and of UPS to your desk. I, if you are you got a little side hustle selling Etsy or, or Amazon or eBay, you must have Stamps.com. It just makes you look more professional. I, I often get packages from Etsy with like hand tied twine around brown paper bag and it's got 18 stamps that I can tell they licked each one individually and there's like all different denominations okay that's cute that's fine but maybe uh something a little more professional besides why are you licking stamps stamps.com will print out the labels it'll take the address directly from the web page on Etsy or Amazon or take it from the your address but from anything you've got it'll even automatically print your return address, your company's logo. All you need is a computer and a standard printer, no special supplies, no special equipment. Although, I am going to get you, I got a special deal. We're going to get you a USB scale so you'll never have to guess on postage ever again. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And once your mail's ready, oh, a, a uniformed employee of the federal government will come and pick it up. The mailman or the UPS guy, too. And they'll drop it off. Or you can drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion of shipping. They've even got a new rate advisor tool. Because there's so many ways you could do this, you can compare shipping rates and timelines and find the best option for you, whether it's USPS or UPS. Stamps.com has been a partner of Twit since 2012. Is that? I think it's longer than that, even. If you haven't tried them yet, what are you waiting for? Oh, I know. They've been advertising on Twit since 2012. We've been using them since before, long before then. In fact, I just found my Leo stamps. I had stamps.com print stamps with my picture on them. Unfortunately, <laughs> they're like 45 cent stamps. I can't use them on anything. So I had Debbie print me out. Thank you, stamps.com. A bunch of, uh, I think, five cent or six cent stamps so I can get to the current rate. They do have forever stamps, though, from stamps.com, which is a very nice thing. We've got a great deal. Save time and money with stamps.com. No risk. We've got a promo code, TWIT. With that, you'll get a special offer. Look at that. Four-week trial, 
plus coupons for free postage, plus that digital scale I mentioned. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com. Click the microphone at the top of the homepage there. And see, it just goes whoop. And you type in T-W-I-T. That's the offer code to get our special offer. It's the best offer on the site. So please do use that offer code. Twit at stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Big fans. Known these guys forever. And uh, have used them forever. And if uh, if I send you a letter, it'll have a picture of me on the stamp. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks to them. Uh, Facebook. This is... <laughs> This is kind of pathetic. It's like, oh, well, maybe if we change the name, nobody will notice. Um, really? I get, I mean, I, and apparently uh, this isn't the first time they've considered it. At one point, uh, there, there, uh, according to uh, Casey Newton on Platformer, there was thoughts about changing the corporate name to something like FB Incorporated <clears throat> or an all-caps Facebook Corporation. Uh Apparently, this was uh, uh, Casey talked to Antonio Lucio, who is the company's former chief marketing officer. That was overruled, but now the company, and particularly Mark, are kind of eyeing the next thing for Facebook, the metaverse. And maybe this new name will be Metaverse. Do you have any inside reporting on this, Connie? What are they up to? No, I mean we we don't know the inside reporting. Casey broke that story. I- I think it's really interesting that they think that a name change will <laughs> sort of erase. Pay no attention. When someone told me that and said, are they going to change their name? And I was like, to what? Faceplant? I mean, I couldn't think of what they would, what they would change. Facepalm. I love it. There you go. There you go. Um, so it, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, obviously, if they do change the name, maybe just, like you said, go to their initials FB. But it doesn't It's not really going to fool change. anybody. <laughs> I don't think. No, so. I don't know if it's like Alphabet, where they said we have so many things we're doing. Uh, people think of us as Google, but it's more than Google, so we're going to call it Alphabet. I don't think at the time that was to deflect criticism. It was just a corporate. You know, I think it was probably about getting Larry and Sergey moved out of Google as much as anything. Could it be? Mark is saying, "I want to spend more time with my money." Um, is a new structure no, for Facebook? No one, call, no one calls it the alphabet. No, everybody calls it Google. Can, we still call it and, Google. Yeah, and and no one's gonna call it the metaverse. Do you not read DC Comics? Metaverse is taken, Brosif. Like yeah. the Flash, Batman, Superman. Like we already got a metaverse. You know what I mean? Like we we've got the multiverse. Like <laughs> all the verses are taken by comic <laughs> books and superheroes right now. The metaverse come up with something better is than from that, science okay? fiction. I'll do the definition we finally came up with on Twig. Uh, the first uh, appearance of the metaverse, to my memory, is uh, Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash, which has this virtual reality world indistinguishable from the real world. You can go into everybody else's in there. You can do things. You can socialize you can work you can play uh more recently uh neil uh let's see it was neil stevenson then uh, william gibson with neuromancer where they jacked in and they entered this cyber cyberspace he was the first to use that phrase uh most most recently ready player one uh where uh you know the world is so dystopian so hideous so awful by the way that's often a concomitant with the metaverse is you don't want to be in real life so come into this virtual world where it's everything's much happier um technical answer i mean but when i say mustang most people think of a car before they even think of a horse anymore okay like (laughs) well the metaverse well second life right 
Did, were you ever in Second Life? Oh man, was I a Second Life? Second Somehow Life? I boy, thought you I might had, be. I don't know. I, had, yeah, I was. Uh, I I made so much money on Second what? Life. I can't tell you. How Uncle do you make Leo. money? You are so what? good at making money on on I, the silliest things. How do you make money people, in Second Life? People ask me all the time, "How come I don't work for a living?" Because work is for suckers. And I'm trying to float free through life. Anyway, Second Life. <laughs> was making mansions, clothes, avatars. And people would and buy these virtual goods? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Losers that couldn't make their own outfits. I was just picking these things off. I could make 13 in five minutes and I was just and, selling them for $20. What, would you get Second Life? Would you get Second Life money or real money? Real money. Cash. Linden Bucks. You would. <laughs> I look. I'm just sad Second Life fell off the horse. Is all I'm no, saying. they're still people around. here. Except it's not like it was. It's not. It's, not it's like mostly it weird sex parties, I think. Because you can, <laughs> isn't it? You can buy like yeah, strange sex, same nude, I, like nude I, costumes. Uh, when I when I was in there, I was making dinosaurs and horse people. I don't know what's going on in there now. I I, <laughs> I, I left the situation. Yeah, you know sure. what I'm saying? But yeah. no, that was actually that was an early. You know, we talk now about uh, virtual goods and Fortnite, which is a multi-billion-dollar business. Uh, they, Second Life predated that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and and it was. Again, I get what they're trying to do with the meta thing, but it doesn't matter. Everybody's still going to call it Facebook. Like, it, you, well, name changing is not going to help you do anything. It's a page out of the Big Tobacco playbook, right? In fact, a lot of people have likened Facebook to Big Tobacco lately. <laughs> uh, Philip Morris, when it got really, it was kind of hot to be a, t a cigarette company, rebranded itself to Altria, right? Who remembers Altria? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. I, I, Philip Morris rings in my mind quickly. Again, it, yeah, I didn't, yeah. Uh, they made Marlboro. Um, they are Altria now. I don't know if that, you know, that saved them from, you know, uh, any uh, acrimony about what their products did to people. Um, any suggestions for what Facebook might call itself? Any thoughts? I think they're just trying to protect their brand, right? And they're already seeing a hit from all of this, you know, bad stuff that's coming out about Facebook all the time against uh, Instagram and WhatsApp. So maybe they're going to go the alphabet route, make themselves a holding company. It's a holding company. And rebrand yeah. uh, the yeah. platform so that you're not on Facebook. Now you're on Metaverse. Well, you'd be on Facebook by whatever. Metaverse, right? Because Instagram, it says Instagram by Facebook now. So maybe buy whatever this. Vlad Svov uh, at Bloomberg says uh, Facebook appears to control Meta.com. So maybe Meta. Maybe Meta. Um, the original story is broken on The Verge. Uh, the author, uh, Heath, said uh, that he thought maybe Verizon. I mean, sorry, not Verizon. That's taken, isn't it? How about Oath? Has anybody used Oath lately? How about Horizon? Because uh, there was a, a Facebook app, Facebook meets Roblox app, the company's been working on for years, called Horizon Worlds. So maybe Horizon. Sounds uh, like I'm going to a hospital to talk to my grandma on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. It's, it does actually sound like a place you get euthanized. Come to Horizon. Like all of our reaction just tells it. Yeah. I mean, literally all yeah. three, four of us are just like, what yeah. the F? What the hell? Right? It can't be any worse than Tronk. <laughs> you never know. They might surprise Tronk us. Tronk was pretty bad. Tronk. Tronk. Yeah. Um, 
Maybe just <laughs> Casey says you could. They used to be the Facebook, then made it Facebook. What if you just call it the? <laughs> the definite article. I don't know. Well, I think we'll find out this week. Um, the company is, according to uh, Casey's sources, leaning away from Meta as the name. Another told me the new name might not relate to the metaverse at all. Both sources suggested Zuckerberg is keen for the new name to surprise, to be something unexpected. Uh, Katie Notopoulos on uh, BuzzFeed is actually... Uh, uh, has a poll. Facey McFace McBookface is not. <laughs> is not. But uh, there are a few. There's Bookface MySpace, Facey McBookface, Sweet Baby Facebook. <laughs> I kind of like Sweet Baby Facebook. Uh, Facebook for kids, definitely not Facebook. Hellsite, TKTK, which of course uh, Connie will recognize as the old journalists uh, to, be, to be named later. Uh, or re- what is it being researched? This? To come. Or- to come. That's it. Yes. To come. Uh, Instabook. What's book? <laughs> ben Shapiro fan site. Ooh, burn. Quickster. Another burn. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg zinc sunscreen. Buzzfeed two. Poke or poke? Poke. No, hot or not. Oops, that's the one he was copying. Oops, we facilitated genocide. <laughs> Aunt Cheryl wished you a happy birthday. I like this thick zuck. T H I C C C U C C. I'm not going to read the next one. Uh, Trunk. Unionized tech workers knew. The good and nice company, not at all evil. But uh, my favorite uh, from Katie Natopoulos, senior technology reporter for BuzzFeed News. Facebook should be renamed Free Britney. Okay, there's some, there's some good choices. <laughs> Great article. Thank you, Katie, for letting us steal your jokes. I would call it uh, Olympus Encyclopedia, Olympus Library, something like with books. Alexandria. Like, like, yeah, like something Alexandria. like that with library. Like, you know how presidents always get a library when they get out? Like, just name it Zucker you know, Library. Though, so, you know, though, you know that Facebook has probably hired not one, but several rebranding companies. Now, there's companies that specialize in coming up with names like Altria. Uh, and they and, get And no matter millions. what happens, it's, and, and no matter what they pick, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be, guaranteed. It's going to be terrible. I, I can bet on that. Lisa used to work for the local uh, developer here. Uh, they wanted a rebrand, and uh, they wanted to tie into Petaluma. So they called, I can't remember what it was, they called it something... And and apparently they weren't from the lo- the branding company wasn't from the local company because when they came back and they had a big unveiling, everybody said no no that's that's where the dumps are <laughs> you know you don't want to name your development company for the dumps, so they end up naming it Basin Street which as I remember I think is in New Orleans so I don't I think these branding companies aren't necessarily the the what, best. What was uh, Twit's name before Twit? Was always, oh was- it was the Revenge of the Screensavers. Okay, but then we got a cease and desist letter, so we <laughs> we knew we couldn't name it that. Uh, Twenty years ago today, Steve Jobs taught the band to play, put a thousand a thousand songs in our pocket, and Connie, you were at that event. I was. It was a it was a notable day, not just because Steve Jobs was really good at doing presentations and keeping the audience enthralled, but because it was such a big risk 
for Apple. At the time, it was primarily known as the maker of the Macintosh. And it was 2001, so Jobs had been back five years, and they were still, you know, in financial struggles. They had had the new candy-colored iMacs before, but they still, you know, weren't, you know, solvent, I would say. They, They were still struggling to make money. So for them to take a risk on the consumer electronics market was a big move. And um, Jobs started out his pitch that day with an an emotional appeal, which was everybody's into music. This is a market that's never going to go away. People love music. We love music. And you should do what you love. And he really did a good job of keeping the audience, you know, following along with him and his logic Um, There were other music players on the market. Apple is typically not the first into a new space, but he sold them on how it was going to be. Apple was going to make it elegant and easy and really fast to upload music um, to this, you know, very cool looking device. I mean, I have to admit, this is my original iPod. I got it that day. Uh, It's in pretty good shape, not because Apple gave away a case. I actually asked Jobs about that. I said, have you have you thought about making cases? And he said, what for? It fits in your pocket. And I was wearing a skirt with no pockets. And I'm like, because some of us carry stuff in our bags. So I went home and I sewed my own little case. I found oh, it. Oh, it's a little cow. <laughs> it's a gateway case. With, uh, with yarn from my kids, uh, you know, play thing. And that's what's kept this thing in pristine condition. But wow. It was a notable moment, like I said. It was a risk. It, did, it took a while for the iPod to be a success. I don't think people realized that. It was not an instant hit. They, it took them four or five years to really sell in the millions of devices. But by then, um, they'd introduced the iTunes store and had taken on the music labels, as all of us recall. It was one of Steve Jobs' famous open letters to the industry and talking about why you should be able to buy songs individually rather than buying a whole CD. And uh, it was just cool, right? The silhouette ads, they had a U2 iPod. Uh, Bono was there for the launch of that. I actually got to meet Bono on the edge on that day. Very cool. And there was a lot of... There was a lot of good marketing hype. And of course, a thousand songs in your pocket was quite a great tagline. So It was. was We still remember it. And of course, (laughs) it's like trivial to put a thousand songs in your pocket now. What is on your your, uh, iPod? Do you have the original music still on there? I do. Uh, Jobs gave away 20 albums. And so everybody in the audience had to go home with a shopping bag with all the CDs. Otherwise, it would have been music piracy, right? Oh, you're kidding. To get them. So I have all 20. And I wrote a story about it on CNET. You can see a photo. But um, there were a couple of Beatles, Hard Day's Night, Abbey Road. There was two Simon and Garfunkel. This is Steve Jobs' playlist. And so CNET put together a Spotify playlist if you want to hear it all. Uh, Yo-Yo Ma, Glenn Gould, B.B. King, uh, of course, Bob Dylan. You know, Jobs is into Dylan. Um, just uh, Sarah McLaughlin um, was the first bit of music played. And I, the thing that I remember about that event, aside from people going, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, they had FireWire, which was their fast file transfer standard. I still have the FireWire uh, cable. Yeah, you and I both, in order to charge it, we had to find a FireWire. FireWire. And the FireWire, Um, official Apple FireWire charging brick. (laughs) Wow. Um, It was fast watching him load uh, music off of his, he had a Mac uh, you know, computer on. You had to connect it. You had to rip the CDs 
and then into iTunes, and then you had to connect it to your computer, and Correct. then you had to copy it over, synchronize right. it over, and it was carefully done so that you couldn't easily steal the songs later. But it was also auto sync, which was very cool. Right. We could rip a lot of music, and if you, you know, if you ripped ten CDs on Tuesday, and then you went back on Friday and you ripped others, it it knew that. Um, you know, what to sync up was, which is something that we take for granted now. But that was a big deal in those days, honestly. And yeah, it was the start of Apple moving into this consumer electronic space. And it was cemented in 2007, obviously, when they introduced the iPhone. A lot of people don't uh, maybe not remember this, but on the day they introduced the iPhone, we've had the iPod and all the iterations. The iPhone kind of subsumes uh, the iPod, right? Because the iPhone is a phone and it's a music player as well. And that was the day that, that Jobs changed the name of the company from Apple Computer Inc. to Apple Inc. In recognition oh, that, that they was no when that happened? Computer company. Oh. Yeah, on the day they introduced the iPhone, not the iPod. Oh, yeah, the iPhone, yeah. Yeah, so it was the start of that whole path. And of sure. course, $2 trillion valuation later, it was obviously the right, was the right call. Yeah, this was uh, before the iPhone. This was the most successful consumer product of all time, I think. I mean, it really was dominant. I, you know, I have one story that I want to tell, and that is, and, and no disrespect to Microsoft here, but at some point I you know, was speaking at an event and someone gave me a Zune. <laughs> and uh, I still have the Zune. It still powers up. But uh, I came home and I had two kids and I gave my daughter you know this oh, ipod no. to use and i gave my son the zoom and did he and say he, why I, do you hate me mom <laughs> he did do you love do you love laura better than you love me so you can have a zoom we had to it's we had brown. to get we got him an ipod after yeah. that so yeah. a shuffle by the way that that was the years of the ipod oh, shuffle yeah. even smaller with more capacity yeah anyway yeah how many ipods i mean we all have owned probably most of them I even bought my sister the U2, the black and red U2 iPod, which was loaded with U2 albums. Come to think of it, there's been a long heritage of, of love between Apple and Bono for some reason. I'm not sure I really understand that. Uh, well, it, who, it wasn't just the U2. Bono? Everybody loves Bono. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't just the U2 uh, iPod. It was the first time that Bono and U2 had licensed their music digitally. Right. They own, big deal. Unlike a lot of musicians, oh, they own their catalog. Right. So that's why it was a big deal. That was a big deal, getting them to say, okay, you can sell it digitally. Remember, the, right. God, people, for, it's moved so fast. You forget, bands did not allow digital copies of their music. They were terrified by the whole thing. Napster, boy. Yeah. LimeWire. Yeah. <laughs> this was Good old the days. other thing that... Uh, I mean, this was a uh, early MP3 player. <laughs> this was for a car, obviously. But this what, has a was hard, that a, di a, a, a laser disc? Was that eight? It had a hard, had a hard drive in it. This <laughs> oh, is oh, a Rio. That's a Rio. This is a Rio. Exactly. Yeah. And I had the little small portable Rio as well, the Diamond Rio that was uh, predated the iPod. But the thing that all of these did wrong, and we even did many shows on the screensavers about building your own. Put a computer in your trunk. <laughs> and have mp3s on a hard drive but the thing that was hard about all these is navigation it was miserable finding your music and playing it was miserable and it was a really in, a brilliant uh insight tony fidel came up with the designer of the ipod to have that that click wheel these actually are, are sold they actually turn um but they they held up 
that crook sound is one of the one of the things you could just like play and you know oh, it's like people the know AOL it. dial up you know yeah, exactly what people know is. it yeah uh, a lot of Britney Spears on this one um, <laughs> I'm just gonna say it must have been my daughter's <laughs> or she was the last one to have it I I'm gonna she defend to I'm gonna defend it. the Zoom the first Brown Zoom not great. But at the end of the Zoom, the Zoom HD was actually a really good music device. And I was kind of sad that Microsoft, having finally perfected that device, gave up on by the t- it. Yeah. By the t- I was going to say, by the time it got good, they, were already, they had already lost. Yeah. That, so, I guess that's yeah. what it was. You couldn't, there, it was too much headwind. Yeah. It's funny. There's, there's actually a huge following. If you go check out Reddit, there's a huge following. People still love that device. The HD? The HD. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was, uh, in every respect, it was kind of the Windows phone of music players because it had a great interface, it had a big screen. It it was kind of in every way superior to the competition, but too late, it was too late, just like the Windows phone. It was, it was, it was over, you know? Uh, I was kind of sad about that. It was shortly after Microsoft gave up its music. You could, used to be able to buy music from Microsoft and, and all of that, and they gave up all of that. Hard to believe. Twenty years ago, and and does your son still think you like your daughter better? <laughs> no, he has. Uh, we bought him iPhone, so yeah, uh, yeah, he's, he's okay. Now. He's, <laughs> he's okay been now. redeemed. He's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, I'm glad to say we have we talked about this when it happened. Proton Mail got a lot of heat for handing over information about one of its customers to the authorities uh, as part of a French investigation that led to arrest of climate activists. At the time, the company said we had to comply with a Swiss court order uh, to provide data. Of course, Proton Mail, uh, you know, became famous for saying we will never do that. We you encrypt your mail; no one can read it, and we do not keep track of you. And uh, they took that off the website when that case came out. But the good news is, Proton has appealed, and they just won. A Swiss court has upheld the appeal of Proton, limiting its obligation to monitor traffic and retain data for surveillance purposes. So uh, good for Proton. I want to give them credit because we we bashed them a little bit when they handed that data over, understanding that you know what if you're in a country you have to obey the laws of the country. I think I bashed them more for saying they didn't have to. Uh, and giving people a false uh, impression that they didn't have to. But the good news is they have continued to fight. And uh, and uh, they've got uh, what Andy Yen, the CEO, says was an important first step in their campaign to advance privacy and freedom. So to be fair, Proton Mail uh, has fought and won. Too late for the French climate activists who were never heard from again. Hmm. But uh, still... That's 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 good news. I wanted to give him credit. Anybody watching the Squid Game? I watched it. What'd you think? I I think it's uh, a tale as old as time. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh, I mean, that's Beauty and, and the Beast, I think. But uh, no, I mean you know, rich people, you, you get some poor people to do some dangerous things. You don't feed them. You watch them fight themselves. And you you laugh a little bit, and, you, and laugh. you laugh at it all. You know what I mean? So I mean. Then you got the people on the bottom trying to scrub any way they can survive. You know, sell a couple organs. I mean, I'm not trying to tell the whole story, but I mean, I've heard it before. Yeah, we have kind of, haven't we? It, <laughs> it was very valuable. It was number one show on Netflix by far. In fact, it got so popular uh, that the, the uh, South Korean 
uh, government uh, ISPs asked Netflix to reimburse them for all the bandwidth they had <laughs> lost from people watching Squid Game. Uh, Bloomberg got a hold of something Netflix does not normally reveal, which it's hard, for, you know, because Netflix, you pay a subscription fee. You don't pay for individual things. So it's hard for uh, Netflix to say that any one show had any particular you can't say we made a billion dollars on this but they do measure it assess performance based on how it benefits the subscription rate on it and they do have a metric they don't release but they use internally according to bloomberg who got to see those figures squid game they estimate created 900 million dollars in value for the company it was that successful that's so astonishing to me, and I don't even believe it, but I guess you kind of have to, because m- most people that watch it already have never. Did that many new people buy it? Because I know well, that's they're not what making I- money off all this merchandise. I know that Halloween, everybody going to have a, a triangle, square, circle, looking like PlayStation. Pink oh, I know. It's going to be the costume, isn't it? It's going <laughs> to be the costume. Looking like pink PlayStations yeah. out here in the street. I know that, but how, do, how did Netflix make that much money off of subscriptions? I, I don't believe it. They, but hey, the, it's a global market. It's more than so, new subscriptions. Know. It's also uh, it makes it sticky, so it reduces churn. People don't quit. There's a. I, okay. I don't know how okay. they calculate it, but it, you know, obviously, it's an imperfect uh, number. But I'll give you some numbers that are. That's a heck of a number, though. Yeah, uh, 132 min- million people have watched at least two minutes of Squid's Game in the first 23 days. That beats their prior record held by Bridgerton. 111 million people started the show uh, when it came out. 89% of the people who started the show watched at least 75 minutes. That's more than one episode. 66% of viewers, 87 million people, finished the series in the first three weeks. All told, people have spent more than 1.4 billion hours watching Squid Game. (laughs) We're never going to Mars. <laughs> we're never going to Mars. Whenever I hear things like that, people spend that much time, I know we're never getting off this planet. We're Unless aliens come down and give us a ride, as a, we got an international intergalactic Uber, we're not going nowhere. We ain't going to make it. So I, one thing I will say, and I give uh, Netflix credit for, is before Squid Game, we had Bridgerton. But do you remember last year, everybody was talking about Lupin, which was this oh, I love short Lupin. series about yes. a detective in in france and it's gotten people to read subtitles right and not, well, that's a can, good point you can watch international shows in their original language and read the subtitles which you know if you try to convert it to english it you know it loses its uh its impact no, these, which the, for some reason the companies that do the overdubbing hire the worst actors <laughs> <laughs> so uh if you listen to the overdubbed version and that's happened to me a couple of times. You might say this show is terrible, but then turn on the subtitles, listen to the actual Korean in this case. Uh, you can hear the acting. It's much. It's a 10 times better show. I did notice, though, there's three ways you can see what they're doing. There's overdubbed. There is closed captioning. And then uh, there's the official titles provided by the producer. I tried it all three ways in Squid Game. None of the three matched. Huh. They, they were saying different things in all three. I don't, and I don't so, know. Leah, they want you to watch it three times. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I spoke Korean so I'd know which one was accurate. Um, I, 
I'd reiterate we are not going to Mars because a man of your stature and time should not be watching I watched every episode three times. No, no, I can't. I no, can't. I, didn't. I didn't it's too do much. I just, of course a few not. minutes, uh, that's all. <laughs> Actually, I haven't Well, I was just going to say the headline is Netflix has people reading again. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's good. See, this is why she's editor-in-chief. Do you Do you get to write headlines? Sometimes I do. There's an art to writing headlines, yeah. as all of my colleagues know, as you know. And when you can do a really good headline, it's very satisfying. You just wrote one like that. I'm impressed. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Watch that. Watch for that next on CNET. Uh, we've, you know, Jeff Jarvis is a regular on This Week in Google. He's a professor of journalism. He's, he's a, in, in, certainly in, in, you know, knows the ways of the journalism world. Uh, and it always is reminding me, don't blame the writer for the headline. He didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't write that headline. Somebody else wrote it for him. Um, so sometimes I, I will, and I confess I do this. I think everybody does this. I'll read the headline and think that's the story. And it often is not. Um, let's take one more break and then we'll wrap this up. Because uh, we got a Niners game and uh, Chinese food waiting for me. And that's very, very <laughs> important. Our show today brought to you by Podium. You know, I know there's Chinese food. I got just got a text saying radar, uh, radar service. I love Podium. People now, this is the future. The, the, I think that the the pandemic has really changed how we think of how we think of business, how we want to do business. It used to be in the you know, and I don't know the '90s that if you were a business, you had to have an email address, then you had to have a web page. You had to, remember you had to have an answering machine. If you didn't have an answering machine, that's maybe the '70s or '80s. You weren't with it. Nowadays, I think you have to have text messaging. That's how your customers, they don't want to call you. They want to text you. That's why local businesses everywhere are turning to Podium. It makes every interaction as easy as sending a text. Uh, I mean, how often now do we get text saying your, your meal is on the way? Or uh, you order something and say, okay, curbside pickup in 12 minutes, and then you get a text. Uh, but more and more, I'll leave the dentist's office. They'll send me a text with my appointment. They'll say, hey, by the way, if you liked our service, rate us on Yelp or Google. These things are changing business because it turns out that open rate for text messages is almost 100%. That's better than anything else. That's how I want to interact with businesses. That's how businesses should interact with their customers. They're just Podium isn't just a better way to communicate. It's a better way to do everything, whether it's gathering reviews. You can even collect payments marketing to your customers. I get a text from our local ice cream parlor. I hate it, but I get it. They say, hey, you haven't come down in a while. How about 20% off a pint of Hubba Bubba Robbie Road? And I have to go down there and buy some ice cream. Podium makes it all as easy as pressing send. You won't just free up more time. You'll grow your business. You'll get more done with Podium. You'll close deals with customers before the competition even has a chance to call them back. Podium is amazing. And now you can try it out for free. Just go to Podium, P-O-D-I-U-M dot com slash twit. Or if you sign up for a paid Podium account, they have free accounts, yes. But if you sign up for a paid account, you'll get a free credit card reader. Some restrictions apply. Podium, P-O-D-I-U-M dot com slash twit. Join the more than 100,000 businesses that already use Podium to streamline their customer interactions. I know and a lot of them are small businesses and local businesses because I know because I, I notice now and it really works. It really is a way to engage your customers, to involve them. And, and you can even collect with Podium and it's much more effective than a phone call. 
Podium, P-O-D-I-U-M dot com slash twit. Thank you so much for supporting twit. We appreciate it, Podium. We love you. And uh, if you want to show your love for twit, use that address. Sign up for free. Podium dot com slash twit. Side, side note also, Uncle Leo. Yes. Text messaging is so huge because once someone trusts your brand or company with their phone number and you do them right, you have direct contact with them for a long time. Look at this you guy. He's got his phone number in I'm his saying, lower third. You, you, you text your boy and I'm the one answer. So I'm text. just saying it, 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 it really like... Email marketing and all that stuff I agree. is great. It's, it's, it's intimate. It works. Like, yeah. you, but text messages, like, people are always shocked. Like, sometimes it takes me a while to get back to you, just so you know, because it is me. But I do respond to everybody and I reply. And it, it just, when I send something out, people check it because they know that it's me sending it. So, you're absolutely right. Working. Yeah, you're right. It works. And for those, put up the lower third again so I can read the number. For those who would like to text Owen J.J. Stone, 844-986-4563. Feel free to tell me how wrong I am about the M1 chip. I'll be telling myself I'm wrong <laughs> as soon as my Max gets in here. As soon as I get the Which, Max. What did you order? Which one did you order? Um, the Max Pro 14-inch with uh, 32 gigs of RAM and the See, best processor. I, I tried because I want to get more RAM. And anything I did to make a build to order, it said, oh, you get it in November. So I said, I want the base. And, uh, and that one comes Tuesday. So that's why I got that. So I'd have it in hand so I could talk about it uh, sooner. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind waiting. I, I bought the Mac Mini. I've used it three times, so it's just sitting here looking pretty on my desk. I, I'm just, I'm just an Adobe guy, so it's hard for me. But uh, maybe I'll send it to Ant because he yells at me, asks me when oh, no. I, don't I use it. I keep it. trying to give. I keep trying to give Ant Max. He doesn't know. Oh, Ant is very. He picky. won't do it. No, he no. wants Windows. He's, uh, yeah. I, again, I, dude, I've got a Threadripper with 128 I gigs know. of RAM down here. This thing is a beast. Like I, I can't let it go. Hopefully, Apple this laptop might have me. Might have you on the move. When bit, I want to play a Viking survival game, I use AMD. <laughs> Google and Roku are in it, fighting. YouTube is about to pull all its apps from Roku. They said Thursday they're going to remove YouTube apps from the Roku App Store on December 9th. Roku says Google asked for preferential treatment. In fact, they've got the smoking gun. They got the emails as a condition to allow YouTube apps on Roku. Google calls those claims baseless, says it. Well, no, we didn't do that. But there, CNBC says we saw a 2019 email from Google to Roku that says we want preferential treatment. So uh, this is this is going to heat up, and 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 CNBC says Congress might get involved. It's gotten it's gotten that bad. These carriage battles are not, they're really bad for customers. Why is Roku picking these fights? Like, they're already, the, they're already losing market share to Apple TV and Google TV. I don't understand why they're picking these fights. Like, they pick the fights that they're going to lose. Well, if, okay, so here's, here's what Google sent them. You tell me now if you would give into this. Uh, the email from the Google executive, according to CNBC, September 2019, reads, quote, YouTube position, a dedicated shelf... For YouTube search results is a must. In other words, not just in the YouTube app, but on the Roku front page, we want a YouTube search. Would you do that? No. I wouldn't. No. I think it's fair for Roku to say, uh, look, we got a platform. Uh, You're an app. You're going to be equal with other apps. 
don't ask for that. I, I will also say too that YouTube. By the way, general, Google denies this, even though that this is the the email exists. So it's so, like, <laughs> come on, guys. And I, and I raved earlier, like I love the these these Google TV things, but I so I have YouTube TV, right? Like that's my TV service that I pay for now, and yet and still. On this thing, it pops up and tries to get me to buy YouTube TV Premium like every three days. I I can't figure out how to make it stop. Well, it's why I don't own his Amazon Fire because it's basically a platform to advertise Amazon Prime streaming everywhere on it. I don't want that. I just want to. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, how how do you not recognize I'm already giving you seventy dollars a month? Like, I'm not, I'm not buying YouTube Music. I had I deleted that, but you can't delete YouTube because I need YouTube. But they keep so I, they, I I'm pretty sure they're trying to push it everywhere they can. So it's one that, more uh, nail in uh, the coffin for YouTube. Senator Amy Klobuchar sent out a statement on Thursday for too long. Big tech platforms have leveraged their power to preference their products and services over those of thousands of smaller online businesses. David Cicilline, House of Representatives, called Google's move a shakedown in a tweet on Thursday. So Congress is getting involved. But I'll tell you who loses. They pull YouTube off. Who's the loser? Us. Yeah. Us. Yeah. And that's frustrating to me. Uh, these They've got to solve this. These carriage battles are just ugly. Not good for anybody. Um, thank you, John. Carmack pushed out a open source version, unlocked OS for the defunct Oculus Go headset. So that's great. Keeps it alive. Um, and uh, that's really fantastic. It's just, you know, when products like this, go, you know, die, you just got, you know, it goes in the landfill. But now uh, you could put this update on there. It's unlocked. You can do what you want. It gives you full root access. There are more than 2 million Oculus Go's out there. So, wow. And you do not have to have a Facebook account <laughs> to use it now. So thank you, John Carmack. Rock on. Uh, congratulations. Microsoft shipped the uh, Android uh, subsystems so that you can now put Android apps on Windows 11. This store is starting to sell apps. You can get this is the, uses the Amazon uh, store to to uh, put the apps up, including the Kindle and other Amazon apps. Well done. I don't know if you had anything to do with it, Lou, but thank you. I did not have anything to do with it, but I can tell you one thing is uh, you know this is their next step. I think this is the next step to show that you know the operating system is willing to open the door to other developers, and I think that's the key. And I did put, yes, I agree. I agree. And I love what they've done with WSL. This is great. It's, uh, that's what a real platform is. It's not lock-in. It's open right. up. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I put this one story in for you, Owen J.J. Stone. All these other stories were for Connie, for Lou, but this <laughs> one's for you. Do you remember when A&W, reacting to the McDonald's quarter pounder back in the 80s, announced a one-third pound burger? Do you remember this? Except that Americans, not so good at math, wrongly assumed that a quarter pounder, one over four, was bigger than a third pounder, one over three. And the whole experiment went down in history as one of the biggest marketing fails in history. I remember my teacher telling me I'm not always going to have a calculator in my pocket, but now I got a phone. So <laughs> teachers, every, 13 of my teachers were wrong about that, but let me divide a the third. third a third is bigger than a quarter. And then, and then the seven, so there's four of them, right? And then we put in the six and carry so, the one. This is awesome. 6.8 is what it's Because A&W, which still is a great, great, makes great root beer, 
has now uh, decided to double down on their marketing failure from the 80s. They have now shipped a three-ninths of a pound burger. (laughs) (laughs) And I love this. Let me see if I can find this quote quote from them. Uh, Three-ninths of a pound burger. And if they're out of stock on the three-ninths of a pound burger, you could also get... (laughs) Oh, shoot. I closed the... uh, What was it? Oh, let me find it. History. I know. I know. I don't. Have, I don't know how to use browsers. They said. Uh, okay, they're launching. Okay, A and is launching the three ninth pound burger with a dramatic reenactment of the Eureka moment. That video featuring a mascot and math prodigy Rudy the Great Root Beer. Bear, solving the unsolvable equation in his studies, the centerpiece of a paid media campaign that will run throughout the program. Uh, if supplies, while supplies last, if sold out, a two-sixth of a pound burger can be made specially at no extra charge. Thank you very much. It took me a while to get to that. Can I get, can I get one eighth fries with that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's made me very hungry, which means I think it's time to wrap this puppy up. Thank you so much. Connie, it was really great to meet you. You uh, I, you fit in perfectly. I'd love to have you back anytime you want. You can write some headlines for us. <laughs> sure. Connie, Happy to do it. Connie Guglielmo is the editor-in-chief, Big Shot, at CNET. Uh, if you want to follow her on Twitter, Tech Leads, T-E-C-H-L-E-D-E-S. Yet another journalistic uh, misspelling, like TK. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, right. But we know what it means. It's really nice to meet you, Connie. Thank you so much for spending some time. Hey, how old Absolutely. are your kids now? Oh, they're in their 20s. Yeah. And so they have have a lot of Apple gear in the drawers. Mine's 29 and uh, 26. And yes, they also got iPods many years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody got a Zoom. (laughs) I have to tell you, nobody got a Zoom. Lou Maresca probably still has his Zoom. It's so great to have you, the host of This Week in Enterprise Tech. Of course he does. He's also uh, uh, at Lou MM on the Twitter. Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to mention? Absolutely. Come check out Twyat. We uh, we just had a really great host roundtable about virtual desktop, managed desktop last week. All three of us spent an hour talking about talking about that. I think it's a really great episode. And then next week, of course, we have the CEO of Park Place Technologies. Ooh, that'll be um, fun. And Go Friday, ahead. yeah, Friday yeah. at 1.30 p.m. Pacific. Great show every Friday, 1.30 p.m. if you want to watch live. And, of course, you can subscribe. In fact, I encourage you to twit.tv slash T-W-I-E-T, This Week in Enterprise Tech. Owen... J.J. Stone, before you close us out, and that's the tradition whenever Owen's on the show, I just want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, We do this show every Sunday afternoon, 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern, 21.30 UTC. Watch live or listen live at twit.tv slash live. If you're watching live, chat live either in the uh, IRC server, open all irc.twit.tv, or if you're a member of Club Twit in uh, in our Discord, our fabulous Club Twit Discord uh, on-demand versions of all of our shows available at the website, twit.tv, and, of course, uh, on YouTube. Best thing to do, though, would be subscribe in your favorite podcast player. Uh, and if you do that, please leave us a five-star review. Let the world know. Uh, somebody told me you can't say you're the oldest tech podcast. Somebody's been doing it since 2003. Uh, I don't know if that counts as a podcast, but okay. Maybe the comfiest 
Tech Podcast since 2005. Thank you all for being here. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as is tradition, Owen J.J. Stone. Oh, doctor, to close it out. Owen? So a great panel today. I learned so much from two smart people. Uncle Leo, you're kind of smart too, but I learned some stuff today, so that was really good. Um, you may not have a, a baby like my, my oh, first female at 1.2. You might not have <laughs> one of these creations in your life, but I do know that everybody watching and listening has a phone. And so once a year, I usually like to remind people that have stayed this far. Holidays are coming. The world's kind of opening back up. Take out your phone, interview your grandparents, yes. your husband, your yes. wife, your father, for your children. Um, I do a show, Raising an Angel with my daughter, and I know people hate me because I don't put out episodes. It's my most liked thing that I do, but I don't put it out. But I'm going to fix that because a cousin of mine uh, about three weeks ago had to go in for brain surgery because he had a blood clot. And let me tell you something. When your heart goes out for someone because they're in the hospital fighting mm, for their life mm. and you feel bad because you haven't talked to them, you haven't spoken to them, you haven't checked up on them. I personally had those issues because I tell Galileo and Lisa I love them all the time. I tell my friends that I love them. And I take the time to have them on shows or record things. And you cannot get back anything pictures don't just do justice you can record voices and stories and all the things that that person knows that you won't think of till later on when you miss them so don't wait till they're gone to say oh what was that story about where grandma's first job was or grandpa in the war or you know my whatever it is you know what i mean um a lot of lives have been lost over the last year. You've been stuck in the house. You should really take some time and document things for yourself and for your family and if you have children. Um, I love all you guys are listening. I appreciate you guys so much. And uh, another twit is in the can. Yeah. Thank you, Owen, as always. 